1: and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. A team that was in last place on January 3rd.
3: History will be made tonight in Boston. Get up, St. Louis. Get on your feet. Raise them high. Bye. seconds to go and the time winds down they did it it's over the game is over the series is over the wait is over and the st louis blues are the stanley cup champions for the first time in franchise history
4: happy one year anniversary everybody how about that one year ago today your St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup champions. We want to hear from you throughout the day. 65780 is the air comfort service text line, the Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. What are you going to be telling your grandkids about that game? What are you going to be telling your grandkids about that season? Because it happens every once in a while. You have a team that transcends the sport. That they become a moment in time that you will remember for the rest of your life. That you will tell stories about to your kids, to their kids, and God willing, to their kids. That's what last year was for Blues fans. It was a special, special moment in time. And we've now seen it twice. 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. That was that kind of a season. And now the 2019 St. Louis Blues. Happy one-year anniversary, Jamie Rivers.
5: <laughs> Thanks. I'll take it. Uh, even though I did none of the work, but I'll take it. You had um, a rainbow, though, right? What? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Boom. Burning ring of fire. Now, um, <laughs> Listen, it's a great moment for St. Louis to look back. And you know what? It's a shame we don't have hockey going on right now, and it's certainly nothing to do with the players or the league. It's obviously, a, we're still in the middle of a pandemic here. I will get hockey back. But I'm telling you what, it's amazing to think back at this day. And, you know, like, as a player, you have a certain amount of nerves that go on throughout the day and some emotional highs and lows and whatnot. But just as a hockey fan and even just, you know, helping out doing some of the TV last year and being down there and being close enough to it, like, the nerves on this day for Game 7 was incredible. I mean, you just antsy the whole time. And then to see the passion... In the fans here in St. Louis, to where we go downtown to do our job, and the Enterprise Center sold out. Bush Stadium has what 25, 26,000 people sitting in there watching a hockey game on TV. I mean, I'll never forget the moment when the final countdown was over we hear curbs going through the last call there as they win it. Ballpark Village. I mean, you couldn't have greased one more person and <laughs> squeezed him in there. They I'm tried. not kidding you. They, they probably did try. <laughs> That place, the, basically the ceiling is blowing off that place. Bush Stadium's going crazy behind us. Enterprise is going crazy. Glory is being played all over St. Louis, Missouri at that time, and probably even farther. And we have Stanley Cup champs in St. Louis. It's amazing to think back at that and try to like even just go through it in your head. It's just nuts.
6: Yeah, it really it is. And again, I get goosebumps hearing that call in I wrote something up last night because tonight's one-year anniversary, obviously, and, you know, I was blessed enough to be able to be out there for Game 7, and I'll never forget the flight there. I flew out of St. Louis at 5 a.m. plane was filled with Blues fans, like Blues jerseys front to back, nonstop. You get downtown. um, You're there for the morning skate. You walk around Boston. I'm getting goosebumps talking about (laughs) this. Fans, Boston jerseys, Blues jerseys all over Boston in front of the stadium going back and forth. But walking out onto that ice, and I was, I was was we were standing in the runway of the Zamboni, the media, ready to go out, and we're standing there getting set, and four people walk by me. Chris Pronger, Brett Hall, Bernie Federco, and Al McKinnis. And you look at that and you see the legends. The guys who put everything they had into trying to win that Stanley Cup with just tears in their eyes, excitement from head to toe, and then when you got out onto that ice, I mean... Fans standing on the glass still, cheering for the Blues, hugging nonstop, Bobby Plager having the cup. Like, it was just all a moment that was implanted in your head that you feel like you'd never be able to forget. But you also didn't believe it at the time. And I think that's where I was at in Boston. You know what?
4: Let's listen to what David Perron had to say earlier today. Because I think he speaks to what we just heard there from Alex Ferrario of the journey. The journey's what made it special. It wasn't just that it was the first time in 50 years. It was also that was the only way that it could have happened for the Blues. Let's be honest. David Perron spoke about that earlier today with Kara and Smallman.
7: That just shows you how hard it is to win the, this trophy. And um, there's many years that we could have done it. But at the same time, there's uh, also last year there was many moments that we could have lost to Jamie Ben's wraparound and Benner came through. Uh, he kept the puck on the on the uh, just outside the net uh patty scored a big goal there right after so those are key moments that that you need to have to win the cup and uh like you said i think the journey after all that that's that's the coolest part for me not that i didn't want to win in my first couple of years but i think uh, it just uh, feels different as an older guy to to put in all this time all the effort, and
8: finally do it uh very, very special moment
4: 22-6-4 and four in their final 32 games. The worst team in the league. Firing your coach. An unknown goalie coming in. Trade rumors <laughs> about the hometown hero that eventually won Game 7 against the Stars in double overtime for the goal that will be remembered for the rest of his life and for the rest of all of our lives. The guy after the game that said, this is special for St. Louis. Talking, of course, about Pat Maroon. David Perron, who has never signed anywhere but with the St. Louis Blues. Anytime he was given his option of where he wanted to be, he knew it was here. The stories of all of these guys coming together to become the team that they were here in St. Louis is what made that special for all of us. It had to have a song that would bring us all together. (laughs) It had to have a rock-bottom moment of firing the coach and being the worst team in the league despite having what is probably the most talented team in the league. All of that had to happen. There was no other way it was going to happen for the St. Louis Blues to be able to win the Cup last year. That's what made it so damn... Memorable for us.
5: It's so crazy, too, to think about it when you really break it down like that because, you know, we've talked about it throughout the last week. You, you know, arguably had some more talented teams along ways. as far as, as, as high end talent, like you don't replace a Brett Hull and a Wayne Gretzky and a Grant Fure and an Al McKinnon. Like, this doesn't happen. And I was a part of those teams and we fell short. We fell short. And I can tell you from a personal standpoint and talking to other alumni throughout the years, That's the one thing we regretted the most is not being able to bring a cup to St. Louis. The city that has given us so much and the people that are amazing and have brought me in and I'm family now. I'm a St. Louis guy, although I'm from Ottawa, Canada. But now I'm a St. Louis guy. We could never get it done. So to see these guys have these, these obstacles in front of them the whole way and then to overcome it and to push through and to be the first team to win the Stanley Cup under those conditions... It was amazing. It was honestly, it was a huge sigh of relief for the alumni guys, the guys that had fallen short. I felt like finally, I got emotional at the time for the people here, not even for the players. I was happy for the players. I was like, you know what? I'm really happy for the players. These guys, this is the team. First team ever. You'll never, ever be forgotten. But, man, am I happy for the fans right now. The 85-year-old person that has never seen a Stanley Cup. The 7-year-old who's obviously never seen a Stanley These are memories. Now you're, you're talking about maybe 80, 90 years of memories ahead of us for these people. You, if you're that young, you'll remember for the rest of your life. And, obviously, if you're older, this is the greatest moment if you're a Blues fan.
6: I got home at 1 a.m. after flying out from Boston and driving home downtown people still honking their horns people still just partying in the streets and and i called my dad when i got on the plane and my dad's been a fan 60 years tears rolling down his eyes that's where it really hit home for me when you saw a fan who's been there that long it's
4: interesting because I'm a Kansas City guy, obviously. I was born and raised there. I have seen in the last six years now the Royals win the World Series and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I was more emotional when the, when the Blues won last year. Really? I was. Wow. Because the Royals in 2015 were supposed to win it. They had gone to the World Series the year prior, and the expectation for the entire season was you're going to find a way to make it back and win it this time around. The same thing for the Chiefs this year. The Chiefs were an offsides call away from, in my opinion, winning the Super Bowl the year prior. Then the expectation starting in August was, you're going to win the Super Bowl. And there was never a doubt for either season that it was going to happen. They were Both teams were among the favorites, if not the favorite, to win the Super Bowl and the World Series those years. The Blues was different, man. The Blues was different. They, in the middle of the season had every reason to doubt that they were going to be able to win the cup. Yeah, Every reason. They didn't have a coach that was working out. They didn't have a goalie that was working out. The guys that they thought were going to be the saviors just weren't were finding a way to mix in. And so when you have the story that they had, yeah, it even got me as a guy who adopted the St. Louis Blues while I was here the first time around that became my hockey team after never really being adopting of the sport prior to that. It was more emotional for me to see that than it was to see the Chiefs or the Royals. We've got some mic drops. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. We want to hear from you guys throughout the day as well on the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Let's start with Andrew.
6: I'll tell you what I'm going to tell my kids is that the
4: Blues won their first Stanley Cup on your grandfather's 75th birthday. Wow. The man who always felt like he was a jinx to the team whenever he walked in the room they would get, get scored on. <laughs> but they did it on his 75th birthday. I just still can't believe
6: it. Well, happy 76th birthday today <laughs> yeah. to your grandfather. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. I wonder how many Blues fans actually felt like they were a jinx to that team up to that point.
5: Well, I think all of them because of the way that (laughs) the way things went down for the first 50 plus years. There's little moments like David Perron talked about little moments that worked in their favor last year worked against us in years past. So, yeah, there's probably a ton of people who thought, oh, I'm the curse. I'll never see this happen in my lifetime.
4: Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Mike. Mike is going to. I will be telling
3: my grandkids, Jordan, Mother Smurfing, Bennington.
6: (laughs) I thought I thought Alex was going to get us in trouble. This this is why I preview them, and I didn't get the chance to do that on that one. So thank you, Mike, for not getting me fired.
5: (laughs) We got a great text on here too, guys uh, from the six one eight. I'm a 41-year-old truck driver. I was in Arizona for Game 7. I made sure I parked well before the game started, ended up having to watch it on my phone, started crying when they won, and ended up waking up a few other drivers in the parking lot because I hit my air horn at the final buzzer. That's incredible. That's amazing
4: best if you will <laughs> it's the best that's the best let's go back out to the rhino shield mic drop feature on the 101 espn app to hear from michael
5: june 12th is also my
4: son's birthday
3: uh so after his birthday party we, we rushed home and sat in front of the couch and watched watch the blues win the stanley cup so i don't think that either one of us will ever forget that happy birthday to your son
4: once <laughs> again
5: feels like everybody was born on june 12th <laughs> yeah Listen, here's my question, okay? And I thought about this last year at this moment. That night, actually, Scott Warman and I were working TV for Fox Sports Midwest. And as we're standing there, as the celebrations are going on, I turned to Scotty and I said, Scotty, nine months from now, How many kids do you think are going to be named Stanley or Gloria? Or Jordan Bennington. (laughs) Or Ryan. Ryan.
2: (laughs)
4: Craig. Suddenly you've got like an influx of Vladdies around town. It's like, wait, what? Why'd you
5: call your son Vladdy? No reason. Nicknamed the Tank. The Tank, yeah. Final
4: final mic drop that we'll get to here in this opening segment. And we'll mix some of these in throughout the day as well. We're going to be celebrating, of course, the long-gone summer. We'll do that throughout the day. Uh, Let's go to Clayton on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature.
6: I had just started a new job, and I was in training in Kansas City. I had waited my entire life to watch that moment and be surrounded by Blues fans. So I got permission to leave training early on the day of Game 7, go to Busch Stadium, watch the game, go banana, and to celebrate with my fellow blues fans and then drove back to Kansas City that night for training the next day. I was so tired, but it was worth it to be surrounded by crazy blues. That's incredible.
4: I will say this. There is a there's a blues bar in Kansas City and it became like the center of town that night. Oh, I can imagine. It's called the Blue Line and it's in downtown KC. It's oh, catchy. I and like it. it was it was absolutely packed to the brim in a way that I've never seen before in KC for an out of town sporting event. And so I was watching the local news after the game and they were just like going live at the Blue Line to show what the reaction would be from all of these fans. It was not. Nuts, man, it was absolutely nuts because in KC, you don't have a hockey team, so a lot of them have just adopted the Blues. That's their team now, and they were all able to celebrate. That's the one thing that I probably miss the most right now about not having sports is that communal aspect of it.
5: What's amazing to me is that Stanley Cup run brought out, or brought to light how many Blues fans are really out there. Yeah. You know, when you look at uh, what was it Foley's in New York City is a St. Louis Blues bar on game nights, and then we had uh, in Philly with Jacks, 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 yep. that became a St. Louis Blues bar and fans, and then KC, and now it's like it's amazing the 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 fact that the Blues won the Stanley Cup. They increased their their number of fans so much just because of the epic run that they had. We took phone calls
6: postgame that night, and we had calls from Canada. We had calls from Germany. We had calls from Mexico, I think. We had calls from all over the world calling in for our postgame show just talking about how incredible this was. With former
4: Blues defenseman and superstar defenseman at that, Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We've got a fun show for you today. Ray Lankford is going to stop by coming up at 1130. We're going to talk to him about the long-gone summer. Kent Merker, former Cardinals starting pitcher, will be on with us at noon. And how about this one? Jamie Rivers pulled out all the stops for your one-year anniversary. Craig Barubi, oh, the chief himself, will join us coming up at 1 o'clock. So you don't want to miss that. Stay tuned throughout the show. Plenty more from you guys. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. And, of course, get involved on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature as well. It is 1- 1115, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, I've got a real legitimate thought on the Cardinals draft pick. We'll get into it next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
6: With the 21st pick of the 2020 MLB draft, the St. Louis Cardinals select Jordan Walker, a third baseman from Decatur High School, Decatur, Georgia.
1: This is another
3: kid, I do believe, with a long summer-spring season. He even goes higher than this. I think this is a very special player and a special person that they got. With former
4: Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll be joined by former Cardinals outfielder and Cardinal Hall of Famer Ray Langford coming up here in just about 15 minutes. But I want to first get my thoughts on a future Cardinal. Jordan Walker, the first-round selection by the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, he's the third baseman. Maybe. We'll see. They say he could play first. He might be a corner outfield moving forward. But as of today, he's a third baseman. He's like 6'4", 220. He's a big kid. A really big kid. I read something last night that was exactly what I want to hear about any first-round Cardinals draft pick. Listen to this, Jamie. Quote, He might be the best all-or-nothing prospect in this class. If he hits, he'll be a superstar with plus power and run tools, tremendous makeup, and a great baseball body. But he might not hit, and at the least needs a fair amount of work to get get to an average hit tool. It's a daring pick, but at number 21 overall, you don't get shots at superstars unless you roll the dice. That came, of course, from Keith Law, who was one of the best in the business when it comes to talking about prospects, and he wrote that about the Cardinals' first-round pick. That's what I want to hear, Jamie, because the Cardinals are better than just about anybody at developing average to above-average major league players. Nobody's as good at it as they are. They've got Tommy Edmonds rolling through the minor leagues every single year. You don't need to get those high-floor players in the first round. For the Cardinals, what have you been missing for the last close to a decade now? It's the Superstar. It's the superstar power bat that can hit in that middle of the order. That's the one boogaboo that's been flying away from them for years now, basically since Albert. And so if you're looking at what you can find in the first round, this is what you should be aiming for. He might fail. He might fail miserably. He may never reach the big leagues. That's okay. Okay. I'm okay with you taking the big swing in the first round because I know that this Cardinals organization is good enough to make up for it with the guys that they'll be drafting in the second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds this year and moving forward even beyond that.
5: Yeah, look, we've talked to so many people over the course of time on this show, and Sean Salisbury, the one day when he was breaking down the NFL draft and future prospects and all that, he just said, look, you're almost like fortune tellers, right? You're trying to... Project where this player could end up. Where could he be on your roster? Uh, Same can be said for Jordan Walker. You're you're hoping this is a gamble. Every draft pick is a gamble that you make. And so you just have to have uh, some great scouting staff to look through some of the the weeds sometime and find the the good things. And then also you got to rely upon your ability to develop young baseball players. And to my knowledge, the Cardinals, and we talk about it all the time, they do a good job of developing players, and if that's the case for for <laughs> Big Jordan Walker here, who is drawing some comparisons that I'm reading up on as we go to to Nolan Gorman, yep. Which, look, that 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 can't be negative in any way at all. You know, if, if they're talking about him in the same breath as Nolan Gorman, then uh, it, the ceiling's very high for this young player. So we'll see. Uh, you know, like I said, Alex, it's you're 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 basically laying a bet down, and you're hoping that it cashes in,
6: especially in baseball. Like baseball's not nba nfl or even hockey where that you know top five picks are guaranteed because we've seen guaranteed picks fall apart like mark appell with the houston astros brady aiken with the houston astros but more so with position players in baseball it feels like those are always a gamble i mean if you look around i mean Bryce harper was kind of an anomaly but mike trout was a gamble at the time nobody expected that uh nolan arenado was a gamble at the time nobody expected that so with the cardinals You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how you draft best available, but you do look at the areas that you need, and that's position players. So when they have an opportunity to do that, you take that shot no matter what. And again, look at Delvin Perez. He was supposed to be the next big thing, and he's faltered a little bit. Nolan Gorman, he's stepped up. So it really just depends on on kind of the roll of the dice, like we said on the return there. But... Look, if you get a highly touted prospect like this and, and the expectations are there, put him in a good organization for the upcoming, and that's the Cardinals.
4: He's So Randy Flores has been in, as the head of the Cardinals scouting department basically since 2015, and in that time, he has taken some big swings. And we've seen some of these pay off, and it's been a departure from what the Cardinals used to do. In 2015, he took Jake Woodford. The following season, I think this was the first time that he was truly in charge of the draft. It was Delvin Perez. Now, that pick has not worked out. He is still pretty far away from the big leagues. But if you remember at the time, the reason why that became a story, it was because Delvin Perez was the kid that tested positive for PEDs prior to the draft. And people were wondering, is the power that he's shown over the past year or so because of the PEDs, or is this real? Well, it appears that it might not have been as real as we all thought at the time. But it was a big swing. It's a shortstop that had, at the time, it was appearing to be a great glove, and it was a matter of can he develop the bat to be able to catch up with that glove. It hasn't, but it was a big swing, and I respected it at the time, and I still respect it today. He took Dylan Carlson in that draft. He's taken uh, Nolan Gorman, which was a big swing at finding a superstar player, and now you see Jordan Walker. That's a departure from what we saw in the past. They previously were very much in on pitching in the first round. This is an organization that can develop the pitching. That's never been in question. They can find guys in the second, third, fourth, and beyond rounds. They can't find those superstar players back that far, though. You can find them in the first round occasionally. If you really take those big swings, you're not going to find them later on. So I respect the hell out of the way that they were able to really take a big swing here and to potentially find themselves a superstar player in the draft. One other thing, because we're not going to spend much time on this today. I don't want to. I'm sick of talking about it. But Major League Baseball today is going to send another proposal to the players. According to Carl Karl- Ravich, they're going to counter today with a potential 70-game season. Salary percentages around 80% of the pro-rated salaries for the players. The playoff pool will have a bonus He says that the concern would be about the recent spikes in COVID-19. The worst case would be to start and stop. Will the players move? John Heyman, this is part that I think is more important, says that the counter proposal is expected today and the sides likely have about five days to do a deal before Major League Baseball would officially implement the shorter season. That's a deadline.
5: Now we're talking about a deadline. (laughs) Uh, You got your deadline word there, buddy. If we can get to the point where you
4: have to have a date or you have to have an agreement by date X, and maybe it is June 17th, that's the date, that's when we're going to get a deal done. So if John Heyman is saying this and it's real this time around, that's what we should all be paying attention to. Next week, I think that's when we get an ultimate agreement between the players and the owners because I think they both know it's better off to do that and to earn the money of the extra playoff teams, which the MLB cannot unilaterally do, than if they were to just self-impose that postseason. So I think we're getting closer. Hopefully next week we'll have a real answer.
5: Tell you what, BK, this just in as we're on the air. He threw out the net last night trying to capture as many Blues players as we could, right? Our good buddy Chris Thorburn is going to join us at the forty five. Oh, great. Today. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. He's uh, got a break from the kids, he said, and he said, uh, I'd love to come on. He goes, I'm drinking today already in memory of last year.
4: Fantastic! So here's what we've got coming up for you guys today. It's going to be a fun show. We've got Ray Langford coming up next, the Cardinals Hall of Famer. We've got coming up at 1145, Chris Thornburn. Coming up at noon, we'll talk to Kent Merker, former Cardinals uh, pitcher. And at 1 o'clock, we've got Craig Berube. It's going to be a fun show. Stick with us. Ray Langford coming up next.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for Long Gone Summer on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Tracy Bibb and Allstate Insurance. Text QUOTE to 65780 to see how you can save.
4: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It is long gone summer week on 101 ESPN, just a couple of days away from the 30 for 30 airing on Sunday night on ESPN. And a man that watched it firsthand, Cardinals Hall of Famer Ray Lankford, joins us now here on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Ray, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm
8: doing pretty good. How you guys doing?
4: Doing well. So let's talk about that summer of 98. You got to watch it all firsthand. You were hitting in front and behind Big Mac that season.
8: What was it like to be able to see it? Oh, it was it was outstanding, you know. Like you said, batting behind them. Um all year I had front row seat. Um you know, I think that that year we finished what third in our division, 18 games back, but um you know, watching Mark Doursting and Sammy, you had two guys going at it. Um in history and it was unbelievable even though we didn't have a great year as a team it still was an exciting
0: season
5: Ray, right. just how how crazy was all that you talk about an exciting season and yeah the team didn't have the success that you guys wanted certainly understand that but you got this home run race going on with one big personality sammy sosa and one just big yeah. dude mark mcguire and you guys yeah. are traveling around with this circus surrounding you all the time what was i like to be a part of
8: i tell you what, it was unbelievable. It was, it was great. I think it was great for baseball, you know. Um, you know, you got, you got Mark, you got Sammy chasing history, two different type of players. You know, Mark's more laid back, more reserved, and just kind of go about his business. With Sammy, was this high-energy guy. You know, he sprints out on the field, hit a home run, he jumps in the air. So you had two different type of players, but it was just exciting to watch both of them play. And I think one of the big things is they were both kind of rooting for one, one another.
4: Ray, I wanted to ask you about watching Big Mac that summer and just some of the homers that he was able to hit. We've talked to a lot of different players this week, a lot of guys that both played with and against McGuire, and they've talked about just the different type of level of power that Big Mac had. Do you have a story or a memory of a homer that he hit that was just different than what you've seen from other guys?
8: Well, you see, you know, you, you play with some guys that have some power. like Felix Jose, different guys, but... Um with Mark Witten but Mark was just on a whole nother level. Um, you know, he had a short, compact swing, but the ball just jumped off his bat. It was unbelievable. I never seen a guy that every ball he was hitting was just upper tank. It was like hitting a golf ball.
1: Hey,
5: Ray, just uh, a quick follow-up here, uh, and I wanted to ask you just a, a question about yourself real quick. You know, uh-huh. we, we mentioned in the opening you hit second and you hit fourth in the lineup that year. Big Mac was slotted in the three-hole all season long. Yeah. What did you prefer? Did you prefer hitting in front of him, or did you prefer hitting after him?
8: Um, I prefer hitting in front of him, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not. But um, I, I think I, I think I bet I can't remember how many games I batted second. I know I batted a lot of games. I was batting uh, myself, Brian Jordan, and myself. We was batting uh, fourth and fifth. But um, but batting in front was great because you know you, you know he hits a lot of hard balls hard. He, Driving runs for him, but I don't think it really made a big deal. That much of a big deal where I bet in front of him, but I always like hitting in the first inning anyway. So if I was batting second, I knew I was hitting in the first inning.
4: We're talking to Cardinals Hall of Famer Ray Langford. He's the only player in Cardinals history to have 200 homers and 200 stolen bases as a Cardinal here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Ray, when you tell your kids or you you look back on that summer, what are the stories that you share about being able to be there with McGuire?
8: Well, the the funny thing about it, when I talk to my kids about it even now, um, even about a year ago I was talking about it, it was like, what well, you play with him? You you batted behind. Said so, yeah, I was on the team. You know, I hit a few home runs. <laughs> I was I was a little power hitter. I wasn't a big power hitter, but uh, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I just think it was um, being able to short, share those stories with your kids and you know, and, and saying that you was there to, to witness history. Um, it's, not, it's Something you I'll always cherish and never forget.
5: Ray, you we know, talked you- to uh, a lot of teammates this week and, and coaches and managers and. You know, I, I always wonder what it's like to peek in, you know, behind the curtain and find out what goes on in the clubhouse and, and specifically, too, on the road when guys are just downtime and hanging out. What was it like to be around Big Mac that year in the locker room? What was his demeanor around the boys? And uh, did you guys ever really get a chance to kick back and relax with Big Mac that season, or was he just bogged down all the time with all the publicity?
8: I tell you what, just, just watching the way he handled everything, because it was hard for him sometimes. He was, I don't. He wasn't one of those guys that liked a lot of attention. So I think at the beginning it was kind of frustrating for him, but over time he just, just accepted it. But Because, uh, you know, he's more a reserve type guy. But I I told him before, like, man, I don't know how you handle it all. Because even even when we lose a games, and it might have been runner-score position, he struck out his next at bat, he hit a home run. Everybody just focused on the home run. But he thinking about the, the opportunity he had to drive in a run that could have won the game for us. So. You know, a lot of people focused on, the, you know, the chase, but he still wanted to be productive and help the team win ball games.
4: We're talking to Ray Lankford, the Cardinals Hall of Famer here on Ribs and DK on 101 ESPN. Ray, I wanted to ask you about your career here for a moment, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. because you were an unbelievable player in the 90s for the Cardinals. But at the time, that wasn't the heyday of the Cardinals. You look at the 80s and they had all the success as a team and same thing in the early 2000s. Do you ever wonder what it would have been like if you had your career either pushed a decade forward or a decade back?
8: Uh, you know, no, not really. Um, I think when it... well, okay, let me not lie about it all. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you look at some of the guys today, it's like, man, if I was born maybe later in, in time, but um, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I, I had a great career, loved every bit of it, met a lot of great people, Um you know, if you look at the 80s, how I was in the 80s, late 80s, and, and early 90s, it was all about, you know how Bush stated, it was, it was all about finding guys that hit balls in the gap and that could run. So I kind of fit, fit that, that player they was looking for. But um, looking back on it now, people are like, man, how did you cover so much ground? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know how I did it. You know, when you're young, you just do it. But when you look at it today, how your body feels today, you're like, man, how did I run all over that field like that? But, um, you know, I wouldn't change anything.
5: Ray, finally for me, um, the uh, Mark McGuire talked to our our station yesterday on Carricker and Smallman, and he just mentioned that Sammy Sosa in this whole thing kind of snuck up on everybody and that, you know, the talk was Ken yeah. Griffey and McGuire going into the season. How surprised were you guys to see Sammy Sosa right at the top of this and right in the mix right to the very end?
8: Yeah, I think what happened, I think Ken had, had got hurt, I think, before the All-Star break or something, but Sammy... You know, Sammy was one of those guys who's always had power. Even, you know, I played against him in the minor league. He was a little narrow kid, but he still had, you know, thunder in that bat. So the way he played in the minor league was the same way he played in the big leagues with a lot of energy. And, you know, he just got on one of those runs where every, he was just hitting everything out. And so when it came down to those last that last month and a half or so, you know, he was right there chasing history. And it was unbelievable, you know, to, to watch that. So when you're talking about... My kids, my oldest son, he got to experience it because he traveled with me a lot on the road. So he was right there experiencing the whole thing with me also.
4: Final question for you as we're talking to Cardinals Hall of Famer Ray Langford on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's now been a couple of years since you were inducted into the Hall of Fame, Ray. What, what does it still feel like now to be able to know that you're not just a member of the Cardinals, but you're into that Hall of Fame with so many unbelievable players that have played in this team's history?
8: Well, in my speech, I was I was saying that I'm, I'm a Cardinal for, for life, you know. And the day I was drafted, I always felt like this, were, this was home for me. Um, I fit into the system perfectly. So it, w- it was great to be able to um, go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. You know, just over the years, watching opening day, watching all the guys wear their red jacket, and now being able to be a part of that, it's just a great feeling, you know. And I, I definitely appreciate all the fans, all the support um, that I've had over the years. And anyway, you know, that's what motivated me. Ray,
4: I, I apologize. I've got one more question for you. This came in from the text line and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because uh, one of our texters said you used to give away hundreds of tickets to each game for a section called Langford's Landing. What a guy, I don't think he ever got credit for doing that. What went
8: into that decision? How how did that all come about? Well, it was just something I wanted to give back to the community and um you know, I was ever one of those guys that that needed a lot of recognition for the the positive things I was doing in the community. You know, because I knew what I knew what I was doing. My family knew it was, it was always about, you know, trying to do the right things, help other people that, that wasn't as fortunate. Because at one time I used to go to Dodger Stadium, I was that same kid. So I wanted to give young kids the opportunity to come and watch a ball game. Um, so we came up with, with Lankers Landing, where we get the kids a soda pop, a hot dog, so they get the experience, get the whole full experience of, of the baseball game. That's awesome. And, they, and, you know, of course, also the kids and their, and their families would come with them also, like the parents. So it was a great thing to do. And I had them out in, uh, out in right center when I was still playing center field so I could say hi to everybody, throw them a baseball and all that good stuff. So make them feel part of, part of the game.
4: That's awesome. Well, Ray, we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. He's the Cardinals Hall of Famer, former center fielder. He's the only player to have 200 homers and 200 stolen bases as a Cardinal. Celebrating long-gone summer week with us here on 101 ESPN. You're the best, Ray. We'll hopefully talk to you again soon, and hopefully we can talk about the cards.
8: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate
4: it. Absolutely. That's Ray Linkford joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go ahead and celebrate another enjoyable summer. This time talking about the one-year anniversary of the Blues winning the Cup. Former Blue Chris Thorburn going to join us next on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Here's Tarasenko centering to Shen. He scores! 3-0 St. Louis. 835 to go in the third. And Braden Shen from Vladimir Tarasenko has given the Blues another goal.
4: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was one year ago today the one-year anniversary of the Blues hoisting the cup for the first time in franchise history. And let's continue celebrating that moment going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by former Blues forward Chris Thorburn, joining us here on Ribs and BK. Chris, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good, guys. Thank you, Mark,
2: for uh,
5: for having me. Forbes, what are you doing these <laughs> days, and where are you, buddy?
2: Ribs are trying to stay safe, but probably just like everybody else. Uh, but we're, uh, we're up in Michigan here. Yeah. Um, just living the uh, the quiet life and the lockdown life and uh, just trying to get through it.
5: So, okay, you got a unique situation because you're living the retired life and now the lockdown life. Is there anything that you've picked up <laughs> as far as a hobby or something that, you know, because during your playing career, I know this, you don't have time for anything else. But now that you've sure. finished, like, is there something you're doing? Are you, are you woodworking? Are you turning to a carpenter, <laughs> a Mr. Fix-It? What do you got for me? <laughs> uh nothing that you
2: mentioned i'm more <laughs> I'd, I'd honestly be a good hire for a nanny i'll tell you that right now being around the kids every day and uh keeping them alive is a, is, a, is a win for me but uh like early in the fall dude i i throughout my whole career i was always waiting to hunt and when i came back to michigan uh, we got some property here and uh you know we did the whole uh, hunting routine and faded and i actually got my first buck so that was cool um but you know, since hunting season's been over, not much going oh, on. I'm actually reading books, which I've never done since, I don't know, grade 8. So, other than that, man, just uh, enjoy the family time, like I said, and, uh, you know, growing up with the kids and uh, seeing uh, seen the development, which you miss a lot as a player.
5: So, Thor, if you're talking about hunting. Now, it, right away, I got an image that comes to mind, okay? Yeah. I got an uh-huh. image of you that, like, you're covered head to toe in, like, camouflage paint and that you're yeah. just hiding out somewhere and that you don't even have a weapon, that your strategy is to just run out and tackle this thing and throw it in a headlock. Like, am well, I even dude, close?
2: You're somewhat close, man. I, got <laughs> I tell you what, we had, we had a good setup. My brother's got a, uh, a raised line, which is cool. And then I got a I got like a pole barn out back that I just pulled the windows out. And we, we made both sides of the window. And these deer came in. Uh, and we got deer living out here, too. so um no, it, was, it was just cool to, just to see the, uh, just the movement of the deer and kind of study them and figure out what we needed to do and end up getting one. Like I said, a buck. I mean, by no means is the rack uh, enough to brag about, but at the same time, the rush of the adrenaline that you get when you actually shoot something of that size, um, it's pretty cool.
4: Former Blues forward Chris Thorborn joining, joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. i got to ask you about the beard because it's fantastic on a normal day, and now we've been in quarantine for the last couple of months. How's it coming for you?
2: It's actually, BK, it's looking professional actually now. <laughs> um, dude, I'm looking back at pictures from last year during the cup run and the playoff run, and I can't even believe how gross that was. <laughs> and, and the time I that, I'm you said it, things, not me. Man, I get, Look <laughs> like at the time I'm thinking, wow, this looks really strong, it's a strong beard, good-looking beard. But now that I look back at it, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Who had uh, the worst no, beard, look- in your opinion? Who had the
5: worst <laughs> beard from that yeah, run? Yeah, let's out somebody right now. Oh, probably uh,
2: steam. Steam was steam was kind of sporadic. Um, a sunquist, Sunqu- Sunquist was, was terrible too. Um, just, just even the young guys like Blay, like the guys that really couldn't get the hair through their. Uh, follicles on their face just look more sporadic. <laughs> but uh, probably probably the younger guys as uh, a handful handful of guys
5: Thorbs, I gotta ask about Sonny here just for a second because uh, I know that you just had a baby and you named it Oscar and I know that Sonny thinks that's pretty funny and I know you went at him on Twitter talking about uh, or through Jeremy Rutherford on Twitter saying yeah. that yeah you had to name the baby the same as Sonny because they have the same body both like a bag of milk <laughs> Is this just a continuation of getting back at Oscar right now? <laughs>
2: so, and we, me and Sonny, like, we go back, then. When we first came to St. Louis, we both came at the same time. We were new. Uh, we both had Pittsburgh roots. Um, obviously, him, him being younger, but... Um, and us being in and out of the lineup at the same time, so we kind of created, a, like, a bond, like, right away. So, uh, me and Sonny have been tight. We've been jarring back and forth for a couple years now, and uh, that was just a, a perfect opportunity to get back at him. You know what I mean? So... Um, and then I texted him cause I didn't know if he saw it. So I texted him a screenshot and he hadn't responded in two days. So I thought he was like,
5: he <laughs> he's playing it so back like, at I'm, you. Yeah.
2: I went from like, he gave me the silent treatment. So I started panicking. I'm like, Oh my gosh, tell me, if, you know, I, I angered him or whatever. But uh, we, ended ta- we ended up talking a couple of nights ago. You Facetimed me from Sweden and uh, we had, a, we had a good chuckle over it.
4: Let's go ahead and celebrate that Game 7, Thors, because it is officially the one-year anniversary. I loved the story that you told Jeremy Rutherford about after the game. It was David Perron who was pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and saying, no, 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 you got to go get the cup. you got to go get the cup. And you ended up touching it before Ryan O'Reilly did last year. I know.
2: As you should have.
4: How did that all come Uh. about?
2: Yeah, and, and honestly, it got, there is some weird feelings towards that. As far as like you know, the, the ones that uh, you know I touched it before, um, but D.T., like it goes back to the morning after a pregame meal. I was sitting in the lobby, probably texting the wife or calling her or whatever. And he poked through the you know, that the, the curtain the curtains there, and he came through and he's like, "Thorpe, be ready tonight." I'm like, "Okay." He's like, "Yeah, you're gonna be wearing your equipment tonight. I'm like, "No, no, just go, yeah. Good luck, man. You guys are gonna do a lot, all that kind of stuff." And then, sure enough, obviously, we win, and then he he tracks me down in the pile, and he starts pushing me towards the cup. I'm like, dude, I'm like, dude, go do your thing, man. I'll get I'll get my turn. And I'm legit, like, Gribs, you know, I'm snowplowing to try and stop <laughs> him from pushing me. And I'm like, in, inside my head, I'm like, if I get caught on national TV snowplowing while I'm going towards the cup, like, that, that's looks terrible in itself. So I'm like, all right, dude. And then I got it from a guy like Alex Dean, which, I mean, it goes without saying what kind of guy uh, he is. And and then for me to be able to pass it to David Perron, to give it to DP, for him to lift it, it just it was just like a perfect uh, perfect story for me uh, from a personal standpoint. So it was cool, and uh, that's something I'll never forget, what he did for me. And and not only him, but the whole guy. Because I didn't play a huge part, obviously, in the playing aspect of it. Um, but the way they made me feel and the way they took me in and made me feel a part of it, man, I mean... Just a special group and something I'll be forever
5: thankful for. Yeah, Thorbes, look it, man. I know how you are, and that's what's made you an incredible teammate for your entire career. But I'm not going to lie, like you deserved it. You deserved to get that cup at that moment. You have bled for every team you've ever played for. You stuck up for teammates. You've always been a great guy in the locker room. So I understand the feeling because, look, we all go through it when we get to the end of our career, and maybe we're not as big of a piece of the puzzle as we'd like to be. But, buddy, I'm sorry. You deserve that moment, and uh, I'm really happy you got it.
2: Uh, Well, I I just appreciate you saying that, Rob. That means a lot, bud. Thank you.
4: Uh, Thorbes, I wanted to ask you about that team and what made it so special because I mean we're we're talking about the story right now, and it you couldn't write this script in Disney, man. It, it would be impossible. Yeah. People would tell you it was too unrealistic with the worst team in the league midway through the year, the coach gets fired, you've got this no-name goaltender that ends up turning things around, the hometown hero scores the goal to advance in the postseason and <laughs> sure. double overtime. Like this is all impossible. What's your favorite memory from the season, and what was it that made that team so special to be able to have that kind of a turnaround?
2: Yeah, uh, well, for me, I can't speak on the bad times because uh, I wasn't there, you know, and I don't know how they pulled out of what, uh, you know, what they went through. Um, I think it had a lot a lot had to do with uh, the turnover in the coaching staff and the way Chief uh, or Craig Berube kind of, uh, you know, instills calmness throughout a group. It's it's kind of crazy. It's hard to explain, but he does. And I think they just took the message and, and ran with it. Um Selfishly, my favorite point of of the season was when Army, uh, when Doug Armstrong called me and asked me to be on the on the roster and and called me up uh, to be a part of you know the playoff run. No one knew how far it was going to go or whatever, but just for him to give me that opportunity was uh, was I was ecstatic. Um, as far as the playing, dude, uh, dude night in, there, there's not one favorite moment for me from you know being on the roster, or being part of the team because. Dude, I just love the playoff hockey and like the way the the Blues, like the way we played throughout that playoffs, man. Like, I mean, it was incredible. Just just seeing the uh, the guys overcome everything they'd already overcome, but now start to put their best foot forward and uh, you know winning playoff rounds and games and big games. And this is stuff that I grew up watching as a kid on TV, overtime goals and um, just to be a part of it and be live at this uh, at the game was just a cool experience and like for me my my postseason experience was four games we got swept in winnipeg by anaheim so i was a rookie to all this so it was all eye-opening for me and just to be able to be a part of that experience like i said and the boys taking me on a ride of a lifetime uh dude uh, there's so many cool parts about it
5: thorbs uh i know it's it might be a bit of a secret and people don't really know this but uh I'm a guy that's been known to have a couple of cold beverages from time to time, and uh, you know I'm I'm all happy with the games and the and the, the goals and all that. But I really want to talk about the celebration, to be honest. And uh, what uh, was your favorite moment after winning the cup?
2: After winning the cup, I yeah. Think afterwards, all the amazing.
5: festivities, all that. What's your favorite moment in time there?
2: Oh, like after like the dressing room party and the parade. Yeah. Well, those are tough. Like, my favorite was actually when the guys were like, we started pouring alcohol into this cup. You know what I mean? That was my, <laughs> that was my favorite because, like, you know, this thing's all shiny when it comes out. And when you get in the dressing room and you start filling it up with beers and start chugging out of it, that's just, it was so surreal. Um, and then the parade with the fans, like, that was an experience that I'll never, ever experience, and not many people will. But for us to be jumping in the crowd and celebrating with the fans and being so intimate, that was so cool. Um, but for me, I think when, when I got it here um, with the kids and the family, and we just had time to like take a deep breath and just like look at this thing and uh, fill the kids, fill the stuff up with the kids' favorite things, and letting them be a part of it, um, that was probably uh, that was one of my favorites. The more like intimate, um, you know, uh, opportunities that we had that we took advantage of.
5: Tharbs, you got to do me one favor, okay? And I've known you a long time. you got to do me one (laughs) favor. I've I've done one (laughs) favor. What? Let's do one more. I'll do one more. We'll do one more until next week, and I'll ask Uh, for another one. But (laughs) that being said, for the rest of your life, okay, when you describe this time and when you talk about the Stanley Cup championship, I need you to stop saying they, and I need you to start saying we. All right? Because the reason being, man, you were a huge part of it. Doug Armstrong brought you back here for a reason. You're an amazing teammate, and you keep the guys loose, and you knew exactly what to do and when to do it with those guys and how to act around them. So trust me, it's you guys. It's we, not they. All right, brother?
2: Ribs, you're the best, dude. You're the best. All right, well, I appreciate that, man.
4: Final thing for me as we're talking to Chris Thorburn here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up at 1 o'clock, we are going to be talking to the coach of the Blues, Craig Berube. Do you have one thing that you feel like we need to ask Berube whenever we bring him on? (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, I do, but I'll I'll ask it myself. Also.
7: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That is
4: Chris enough, Thorburn, sorry. former Blues forward. It is the one year anniversary of he and the Blues winning the Cup, bringing it home here for St. Louis. Thorbs, we really appreciate the time today, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us.
2: Oh my gosh, guys, thank you so much, and yeah, enjoy the one year anniversary, man. It's not, I think it's due now, so I got my stuff here ready to open. So. We're ready to go here. But, yeah, enjoy the celebration. Everyone in St. Louis
4: is unreal. You're the best, Thorbes. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. All
2: right, boys. Thank you much.
4: Absolutely. That's Chris Thorburn joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. He deserved it. He deserved it. Oh, my God, yeah. Thought, he
5: deserved it. You're the best. He is the best. He really is. I love the guy, man. I've known him for so long. And it, he's so respectful that I just had to get that off my chest, that he was a huge part of it. People don't see what goes on behind the curtain. I talk about it all the time and Thorger is a guy where guys went to not so much how do I handle this but he's going to talk to me about something that's going to make me laugh he's going to take you know he's going to take the edge off he's a great teammate he's going to work hard in practice he is so much a huge part of that win.
4: You need those guys in the locker room. It can't just be the grinders. It can't be. Otherwise, you're going to you're gonna grind it and it's going to eventually get to the point where you don't have anything left. Mm-hmm. So having a guy like that in the locker room, you need it every day. That's why we've got Jamie Rivers here on this show. You've <laughs> got to have a guy like that to be able to loosen things up a little bit. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Well, we want to get your thoughts on the one-year anniversary of the Blues winning the Cup. The Air Comfort Service tax line is 65780. Always get involved on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. We'll get to some of those coming up here in about 10 minutes, but coming up next, former Cardinals starter Kent Merker going to join us to continue celebrating the long-gone summer on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We are celebrating long-gone summer week here on 101 ESPN, and we continue to do so out on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line with former Cardinal starter Kent Merker joining us here. Kent, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well, man. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. So you're a 95 World Series champion, and you were able to watch the 1998 season with the Cardinals and Big Mac firsthand. What was that season like for you as somebody that was pitching at the time for the Cardinals?
0: Uh, you know what? That, that year, in a lot of ways, in 98, was even more electric to come to the ballpark, even in the year we won the World Series in 95. Uh certainly you leave spring training you don't know anything that's getting ready to happen as far as two guys let alone one guy but two guys chasing a hallowed record that's been around forever right since 61 so you don't think that's going to happen until you start playing and you see you could almost get it building up and i think we as a team well obviously we underachieved as a team that year but it kind of got lost in the shuffle to the fact that we're, we're getting to witness potential history here and it was just and coming to the ballpark was as much fun as I've ever had, and I didn't have a great year, and I still was looking forward to coming to the ballpark every day.
5: Now, Kent, what uh, what specifically was so cool that year? Was it just the home runs, the buzz in every building, the media attention, I don't know, rock star treatment when you're on the road, all this craziness going on? Is there anything that stands out for you that really you look back and you're like, man, you know what, that was cool?
0: I think it was a combination of all that. I mean, there's obviously, when you're on the road, there's fanfare with the teams know where you're staying, or fans know where you're staying at the hotels. so you're always going to get those crowds of people trying to get autographs and and things of that nature. Obviously, we have media on a daily basis being at the big league level, but it was that on magnified by a million percent. Just the crowds around the hotels trying to get into the ballparks. All the media from not just you know the United States and the in the local market, but just the national attention and even the international attention this was getting. And as ballplayers, there was no pressure on us. Like literally, I could go out there and throw a shutout or give up five runs in two innings, and no one was paying attention to me. <laughs> you know, it was we always we always made a joke like because I eventually got to start the, the night he was uh, ended up breaking Maris's record. I started that night, and he would. You know, if he hit the prior inning, I would go out and start the next inning, and and there was like half a crowd out there. (laughs) And I'm like, that's when everyone went. They went and got their hot dogs. If they had to take a restroom break, that's what they were doing. And then you could see everybody coming back in. I think they actually did a a, a study that year, guys, in the city of St. Louis, that the worst time to take a shower was after a McGuire at bat because all the water pressure within the city was down. Because that's when everyone was using the bathroom and it just drained the entire water system. That's how, that's how electrified now.
8: Have
4: we seen anything like that before or since, at least that you've seen, Kent? Because, I mean, the stories that we've heard this week and certainly we remember the 98 season, it just it feels like that was on a completely different level from anything else that we've seen in baseball in recent years.
0: Certainly anything that I was part of. I, I wasn't there in 95 when Ripken eventually beat Garrett's record for consecutive games played. I, I'm i imagining that the Orioles that year felt that buzz every day, one game closer, one game closer, one game closer. I think the reason the home run was more uh, special was because you knew Cal was going to get another game in that day. We didn't know if McGuire was going to hit another home run. So the anticipation of – is he really going to do this? Like, is it possible? Yeah. You know, it's his teammates. We're sitting in the dugout, watching him go up to hit going. He can't really hit another home run today. Right. And then boom, there it is in the upper deck. And you're like, Dude, this is unbelievable. And I, and I listen, I was lucky to play as long as I did. And, but more so than that, I was lucky to be at the right place at the right time for a lot of cool things. And for probably from day one till the last day of the season, there's never been a more exciting year. And that's including three World Series teams that I played on. This was just at a whole new level. And, you know, the way the humility, and if you've talked to anybody else about this, he was so humble about it, and he really every day thought, what's the big deal? And I'm like, dude, you're not just getting ready to break a record. You're getting ready to break a Yankees record. Like, this is huge. And he just never, I don't think he ever, and maybe to this day, I don't think he's ever really appreciated what he did. He certainly didn't realize it as as it was going on.
5: We're talking with Kent Merker, former Cardinals starter, 95 World Series champion. Kent, I like to dive into the finer things of the game. And you being a pitcher, I just wonder, you know, what was the biggest mistake that pitchers made when pitching to Big Mac that uh, that allowed him to go a yard like that? Or was it something that Mac himself did as a batter that just messed with pitchers?
0: I think what most pitchers did, and I'll I'll use Barry Bonds as the left-handed comparison for this. I think we were always taught, trust your stuff. If my best pitch is my fastball, which it always was, that's how you get the best hitters out, right? You don't get the best hitters out throwing your second or third best pitch. And I think what a lot of pitchers did, because not only the size of him, he's intimidating just to look at, but just knowing how many home runs he was hitting, I think guys had altered their what their normal game plan would have been, which is, hey, let's attack him down and away with the fastballs, get ahead, and then get him to chase something. I think a lot of pitchers went to plan B before they had to and went, dude, he's going to be sitting on a fastball. He's trying to hit a home run here, so let's try to trick him early in the count. And what pitchers did was they fell behind. Now they're in hitters' counts, you know, 2-0 counts, 3-0, 3-1 counts. Well, now he knows what's coming, right? Like, now you know he's going to get his fastball, and now you're trying to locate it, and he's sitting on it. And he was so strong and so good, he had the strength to go get that pitch down and away and even hit that ball out of the park. So I just think it was a function of pitchers altered what they were best at to try to stay away from what he was best at.
4: Former Cardinals. you so he like, hey,
0: yeah, just go get ahead, and if he gets you, he gets you. And by the way, I would if I was on the other team, I wouldn't mind been one of the guys giving up one of those. Right? <laughs> part of his right, but so, but I think that was the big difference. His guys didn't stick to what they were best at because it was what he was best at as well.
4: Former Cardinals pitcher Kent Merker joining us here on Ribs and BK on one hundred and one ESPN. It's interesting that you say I wouldn't have mind giving him given those up because. Basically, everybody we've had on this week to talk about Mark Maguire says something to the effect of, I've never seen power like that before or since Mark McGuire. Where does it rank for you? You were a pitcher in the bigs for almost 20 years. Where did Mark Maguire's pure power hit uh, rank for you?
0: It's Not even a close second. And, and, and he's number one. I mean, I tell stories, guys, of, to my friends, to my former teammates, to guys that were currently playing that just didn't get to see it. Like, as we got older and we were veterans, like, the, the last thing we like to do is stick around all day for BP and watch all four groups. You know, we're trying to make excuses, like, I gotta go in and ice my elbow before the game. And Dude, he, these balls he hit in batting practice, like, if I describe some of them, like, people that have seen the certain stadiums I'm talking about and say, do you remember that? Remember that TV monitor that they had above the upper deck? <laughs> he hit that. And they're like, there's no way a grown man hit that there. I'm like, dude, he hit it there. I've seen him hit it there. Like, there were so many noises in VP of things he hit that weren't <laughs> even supposed to be in reach. Breaking light bulbs off the top of the scoreboards, hitting monitors that they put far away so they wouldn't get hit by balls. He was hitting ball. He hit a ball out of the bank, one ballpark. In Arizona, I don't know what it's called now. He literally hit a ball into the parking lot, and the other cool thing about it was he had other teams on the road. So the, the the home team always hits first. They go in. They got an hour and so to get ready, cool off, grab some food. These other ball players were sticking around just to watch McGuire hit in Group Four. That's how cool it was. Like, and I'm talking future Hall of Fame guys that stuck stuck around to watch mark mcguire hit in group four and take batting practice that's how impressive it was and i don't know that you'll ever find a guy that will tell you they've played with anybody that's had showed more raw power than mark mcguire
5: kent look your teammates with big mac he's he's ready to crush records that year everything he's hitting is like you said basically leaving the atmosphere as a team for you guys What was important for you guys to do as teammates for Mark McGuire in order to keep him going like that and make sure that he's able to stay mentally focused and, you know, at the same time kind of keep him light because you don't want too much pressure, but how important was it for you guys as teammates to help out?
0: You know, that's a great point, great question, and the answer is simple. Try to keep it as normal from what he's used to as possible. Listen, he'd hit home runs his whole life, right? So it's not like anyone was surprised. He was hitting home runs. It was just the, the, the every one per eight at-bats, I think it was that year. But So it was more or less, listen, away from the field, let's make sure we still all go to dinner with him, right? And if, and if we do go to restaurants in certain cities where it's going to be a higher visibility for him, let's us be the ones to kind of keep all these fans, you know, allow him to enjoy his dinner for an hour and a half or two hours Let's, we kind of police that and say, hey, guys, we're not trying to be, you know, it's not that Mark doesn't want to sign, just he's getting away from the park. And we tried to keep that as normal and minimal for him as possible, one thing. And two is just, just keep joking him like we were in February and March and spring training. Keep ragging on the guys like we normally did and just try to keep it as normal as a normal day as in any other typical season. Let him go do his thing between the white lines. And then make sure we're keeping him honest. Like, even joking, like, dude, you're so lucky. There's no way you're hitting a home run today. Like, just all <laughs> the stuff that we tried to do that we, as as immature baseball players, are known to do, we just tried to keep it as normal as possible. And then I don't know how he – the way he balanced that with, with the, all the requests he was getting from the media side, you know, nonstop, twenty-four hours a day, trying to call his hotel room. Like, how he balanced that and was able, and and just to be able to go out on the last day and hit seventy. I mean, it was so impressive. And, and again, I was so lucky to be have a front-row seat for all those, and lucky to not give up. One, he probably would have had seventy-eight if I was on.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I actually probably cost him a few home runs that right year. Former Cardinal starter. So by the way, I. I i got to tell this quick story if you have time. So we're in New York at Shea Stadium, and I I was in the rotation. So, And if anyone's ever been at Old Shea, it's a hike to get to the dugout from the clubhouse. Big Mac traveled with, like, five full bat bags of his bats, right? So first inning, he hits, and I forget who was pitching, but just sawed him off, broke his bat into a thousand pieces. So he comes in after the bat, and he goes, Hey, Merck, will you go grab me another bat? And I was like, why, you're catty? A <laughs> go, get your own. go get your own bat. You know, and he's like, "Well, oh, come on. I go, no, I'll go. Trust me, I'll go get it. So I went and got him one. And, and, dude, he's got 100 to choose from. And maybe I'm exaggerating, but he's got 50 to choose from. So I just grabbed one, right? And then before his next bat, I give it to him. And, and he's like, you get a good one? I go, dude, I went and knocked on, like, at least 40 of those and found one that sounded perfect. He's like, really? I go, dude, this is the best bat you brought with? Totally joking. He's hit a home run every eight at-bats. I go, I guarantee you hit a home run with this bat. He's like, are you serious? I go, guarantee it. He he goes up his next at-bat. He'll tell you this story if you ask him. He hit an absolute bomb just to right center off the scoreboard. He comes in pointing at me. Like, somehow, I was the reason he hit that home run. (laughs) And he's like... And when the game was over, and that was his 50th that year, because when the game was over, before we left, he had signed it to Merck, you picked it, I hit it, first player to go 50-50-50. And I looked at him, I go, dude. He goes, well, how did you figure it out? I go, dude, I just grabbed the first one I saw. <laughs> mean you're kidding You're hitting a home run every eight at-bats, and you haven't hit one in seven. So I figured that the odds were in my favor. But to this day, he thinks I magically gave him some cra- And then he stepped Hey, the rest of the year, you think I'm going to hit one? Uh, I don't feel it this at bat, but that's <laughs> for sure. And it was just, it's like he started believing it. And I'm like, well, but that's just one of the other stories about him was that he didn't even give himself credit for how good he was that year. You know, it was just a team thing for that guy. And such a great guy. Dude, you couldn't have a better, more gentle giant than Mark McGuire.
4: Former Cardinals starter, Kent Merker, joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. I got to ask a follow-up question. You said that he gave you the baseball from that 50th homer. Where is that ball today? Where Do you have Do you have it like oh, he, enshrined in your home? He gave me the bat.
0: He actually signed that bat for me, which is even... Uh, you know what? I put my first daughter through college with it. I actually, <laughs> I'm kidding. That, I, I, have, I have that bat in a safe spot. I've showed it to probably... 300 people over the years that have come and gone from my home. And it's that's, honestly, that's his prized possession for me as that World Series trophy because the story won. But just the fact that he was, I didn't ask for that bat. You know what I mean? I didn't ask for any of that. And it was there just how generous he was. And I'm like, of all the things I've been part of and been able to collect and autographs from former Hall of Famers that were, you know, Lou Brock and Bob Gibson that hung around the club. That bat's as coolest thing as I've ever had.
4: I'm guessing based on some of the answers that you've given today, I know what your answer is to this question, but i got to ask it nonetheless. I'm assuming that that means that you don't feel like that summer was tainted now because of what we know. I don't.
0: I don't. Okay. And, and, and You know what? In hindsight, retroactively looking back, you guys can have their opinions, but it's it will never change the experience and, the, and the, just the feeling of having that entire season. It'll never change that experience. I mean, listen, I guess guys will criticize it and say, would it have happened without it? Listen, we'll never know, right? We'll never know if that magic season would have happened with or without those things. So I'm not going to sit and dwell on it and, and let it ruin or taint or downplay any of the experiences that we got to have as a, as, a, as a baseball team that
4: year. I certainly know you're not alone on that front, Kent. He was a Cardinal starter for 98-99, a 95 World Series champion, and we always appreciate his time here on Ribs and DK. Kent, but, you're the best, man. Thanks so much for hopping on I with was, us today.
0: Do you, have, do you have one more minute? Please. As, as much, much time sir. as you want, buddy. Okay, uh, okay, so in 98, we're down in Florida. I'm starting against the Marlins, right? And I actually pitched good. No one knew about it. because <laughs> I'll tell you I don't know. So so I've been trying for how many years now? I came up in 89. So I've been trying for 9, 10, 11 years, right, to hit a home run in the big league. So rare opportunity. I get up there with bases loaded. I hit my one and only career home run, and it was a grand slam. Wow. Okay? I go seven innings. I think I gave up one run. I get a win. But guess what happened? Mark McGuire decided to hit two that night. Six. So he so he hits, I think, 57 and 58 or 58 and 59, which now sets the National League home run record. He breaks Hack Wilson's all time National League home run record, right? So after the game, a kid that caught my home run ball comes down. And usually what happens, never to me, but when something cool like that happens, they'll want to trade. Hey, we'll give him his ball, but will Merker sign two balls for me or give me his hat? So this kid brings this ball down. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. What can I do for you? He goes, can you give me a Mark McGuire autograph? And I was like, (laughs) yeah. You got it. So I actually brought the kid in to walk him right over to Mark to get him to sign something. But I hit a grand slam. Kid didn't want my autograph, and I didn't even get mentioned in the paper because the headline is, Mark McGuire breaks Hack Wilson's record. And, and I'm just like, dude, you, you you basically ruined my year. You know what I mean? No, but anyway. All right, that's my last dumb story. But. Those no, are great, Kent. This has been
4: incredible. I've enjoyed the hell out of it, kit. We hope that we can have you on again soon, and hopefully at that point, you know, we're talking about real baseball that's actually taking place out there. So seriously, thanks Absolutely. so much for taking the time with us today. We really do appreciate it.
0: Hey, thanks for including me, guys. You guys have a good weekend.
4: Absolutely. Same to you as well. That is Kent Merker, the former Cardinals starter, 98 and part of 99, and a 95 World Series champion, joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We've gotten really lucky with our guests it's
5: today. crazy. And I know you're going to think this is really, really crazy but I think I could enjoy having beers with Kent Merger. (laughs) (laughs) You think? I feel like
4: we've had a few of those guys this week that Jamie just like, he's like, screw doing a radio interview with them. I don't ever want to have them on again because I just want to take them out every night for the next month to hear all of their stories. It's
5: been awesome. You know, honestly, you've done an incredible job of booking guests and getting people to come on, and they've been really great storytellers. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's the biggest thing that you're looking for as a cardinals fan and especially a fan of that season tell us stories i don't want to hear stats i don't want to hear you know this or that tell me stories about what went on and and these guys have been fantastic those are amazing stories two great stories for this guy
4: that's the thing about baseball too right like hockey has great stories football has great stories same thing for basketball all great stories But it's 162 games. It's the grind of doing this every day and all those guys being in the same clubhouse for God knows how long every single day. And you just end up with these unbelievable stories in these dudes that have 20 year careers like Kim Merker was a pitcher in baseball for 18 years. He now, from what I understand, is representing players. He had a couple of guys in this year's draft. That's why we had to wait and hold them off until today, because he was busy the last couple of days, obviously. So he he's the lifer for baseball, and you get these dudes that they get in when they're eighteen. He's like forty some odd years old now, and he's still in the game. And you just they they end up having just this gold of storytelling from what they had whenever they were in the games, and these stories get passed on for years as yeah. well. It's it's amazing, man. Well, I'll it be really telling is. this
5: story. I'll be telling the bat story for sure. When people 100%. talk about that, I'm gonna I'll give them credit for it, obviously. But I'm gonna tell that story. I think that's an amazing story. As he was telling it, I'm thinking of the movie The Natural. Where you know Roy Hobbs breaks his bat, and then the little bat boy goes and picks a bat for him, and then he goes and crushes a home run. And I was I was going to talk about it, but he kept going with so much great material. But it's amazing stuff.
4: Hey, and all credit to Kent Merker because we certainly weren't the ones to get credit for that interview. That's all on him. He was amazing in and of itself. With former Blues defenseman and superstar Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We want to get. Back to you guys. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. What are you going to be telling your kids about the Blues run, the Blues playoff run from a year ago? Today is the one year anniversary of them winning the cup. What are you going to be telling your kids, your grandkids? We'll get to some of your stories next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Shows like this are why I got into radio. Storytelling from the 98 season, celebrating long gone summer, talking about what last postseason the run to the cup was like for Blues fans. This is what radio is all about. This is what we're here for. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. We want to hear from you guys. I've been asking all day, what is it about last year that you're going to be telling your kids, your grandkids? What are the stories that you're going to be saying? What was it like for you to watch them finally win the cup? We want to hear from you. This is a show for you guys today, especially. Let's go out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature, where we're going to hear from Big Kelby talking about what he's going to tell his kids about last year's run to the cup.
8: I never thought in a million years that I'd be celebrating or even watching a hockey game inside of a baseball stadium, but that night was one of the greatest of my entire life, man. It was so much fun. It was me and my brother. We've been Blues fans almost our whole lives, and the fact that bush stadium was opened up to it man you know the, the, it shows the camaraderie that our teams have with the community man and it it just made, that made it so much more special and damn i miss hockey
5: <laughs> i think that's what's ultimately so special about that moment was that the cardinals club opened up bush stadium for fans to go in because there was such an overflow ...of people from Enterprise Center that sold out for a building, for a game that's on TV, first of all. Let's digest that for a minute. And then you're selling 25,000 seats for people to sit there and watch a game on TV. Bo, oh, by the way, it's hockey, not baseball. And, yeah, that moment, I looked out over with Scotty Warman, I'll never forget it. Looking out the windows into Bush Stadium as people are, like, waving their arms and jumping up and down and partying through the rain... In order to celebrate the St. Louis Blues. So, yeah, just an incredible, incredible moment for all these people.
4: 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature where we're going to be hearing from Tyler about what that run was like for him. OB Clark's. I think it was maybe two days or just one day after. Uh, the, all the boys were partying up at OB Clark's, and I luckily live very close, so walked up there with my girlfriend, and we got to touch the cup, see the cup.
6: Hang out, drink some beers, and have the best of times. I will never forget it. I'm about to cry right now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's the
1: best. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm
5: talking about. Tyler, were you there? You had to have been yeah. there at OB Clark's. It was a marathon, dude. I'm telling you. Uh, Scotty Warman and I went to OB Clark's right when we were done on TV. And we I uh, certainly celebrating with some beers. Kelly Chase was there with us. Then Chaser and I... I get a text from Steiner. Steiner says, "Hey, we just landed. Get your, you know what? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Get your, you know what's down to Enterprise Center because we're partying. And so we head down to Enterprise Center, and and certainly the party was on. It's like everybody just took like a a a break, a fifteen minute break. Let's get out of the suits. Let's do this, and then head over to Obi. Clark's and that scene was something that." I've never seen before. I had such a small community yeah. bar that, you know, obviously Obie Clark's is like the big hockey supporter in town. That family's been around forever. And it was just amazing. Parking lot jam with people. I can barely remember some of it. And that's obviously <laughs> due to the circumstances. But uh, it's, it's awesome. I, I
6: still go back to when the Blues clinched the Western Conference final. And Brett Hall was on our post game show. And he said, people say that this is going to be a party. But they don't understand what party means. This is going to last all summer. Now, fast forward to OB Clark's. We get home from the flight from Boston. Now, obviously, we're not with a team. But I get the text that, hey, you need to get over to OB Clark's right now. Nobody slept. No. everyone Fans went from airport to Enterprise Center to OB Clark's. And they stayed in that parking lot from the night that they won to like the next night just waiting to see the Stanley Cup and that was that party that Brett Hall referenced and that's why it just was engulfed in my brain I think I stayed there till like 7 or 8 in the morning I'm like okay I got to I got to leave now so well, it was multiple generations
4: right like it's not just generations of fans either it's players like, multiple generations of players have made St. Louis their home. And I think that's part of what makes this such a unique hockey town at this point is you've got guys like Jamie Rivers and Brett Hole and Chaser and all these guys that are now basically ambassadors for the, the organization that live here, that are a part of the community, that are significant parts of the community, that go to these games all the time, that are still around the guys on the current team. And so it makes it a different atmosphere when you've got the guys who wanted to win it and the guys that have now won it. And you bring all of that together with multiple generations of fans that remember the guys that wanted to win it and now watched the guys that did win it. And everybody comes together for what was just this culmination of a beautiful thing and a party in St. Louis unlike anything we've seen.
5: Before we get to our next mic drop, we got a great text in here and I almost forgot to to talk about it, but we'll mention it now from the 765 don't forget, Fish, the band, sold out Chaffetz Arena and opened their second set with Gloria and Loving Cup. Yep. Incredible stuff.
4: Well, let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, where we're going to hear from Nancy.
0: I just have to tell you how grateful I am for 101 last year, because I had to leave the next day after we won for a fly fishing trip that had been planned for months, and I I had you on my app, and you guys got me through the weekend. So I felt like, even though I missed the parade and the whole thing, I felt like I was there. And so I am extremely grateful for 101 for when we won last year.
4: That's what stations like this are for. That's what it's for. For for you, the fans, to be able to have your voices heard, like we're doing right now, of course. But in general, like when your team does something great, radio... Radio gets a bad rap sometimes because people say, oh, it's always negative, it's always negative, it's always negative. The best times for radio are when things are going well, not when things are going poorly. Oh, my poorly. God, it's so much easier. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know how much more fun it is for uh, me and Jamie to come in here and Alex to come in here every day when the Blues are playing well like they have been over the course of the last calendar year or when the Cardinals are looking to potentially win a World Series? Like Those are the best times to be able to come on here and talk about the uh, talk on the radio. The worst times are when sports stink like Uh, they do right now with baseball. Like I don't want to talk about that story ever again. And when your team stinks, it's no fun to talk about them after a while. So this is these are the most enjoyable times to do radio is right after something great happens in the community like last year with the cup
5: yeah it is it's really awesome and i can tell you just from my own standpoint being a former blues player when the blues aren't playing well that's the hardest time for me because look we got a job to do i can't sit here and put lipstick on a pig and then not be called out for it you know i think that you got to be honest and so to me like when they win and they're pounding teams and they're winning playoff series i have a like a skip in my walk i'm like (laughs) this is going to be
4: great Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. We've got Dave talking about what the cup run was like for him.
5: I don't have grandkids yet, but when I do, I will uh, discuss the highs and lows of last season. Uh, In fact, I'm a weekend package holder, and we went 0-6 our first six games with a uh, 7-2 defeat by the Calgary Flames, where I recall MF and the Blues on my way out. And then to end the season the way they did was just incredible.
6: I'm so glad he said that because my dad, when I talked to him that night, he told me, he's like, Al, this is great. But he's like, this is a makeup for the night that we talked with Grant Fuhrer about when Steve Eiserman scores the goal on Casey. He said... This is a makeup in my eyes of walking out of that stadium thinking what the hell is wrong with this team and why do I love this team so much? He said that was the makeup. That was the redo for what I went through. So I agree 100% with what Dave said. But those battle scars are also what make it so
4: special. If you don't have any of the hurt, any of the pain... The glory doesn't feel quite as good.
5: Yeah, it's not as great for sure. It is not. Like, if we're if the Blues are a team that have two, three, four cups in their past and whatnot, and last year would still have been incredible. There's no doubt about it. But it wouldn't have been this yep. combustible bomb of fandom to where when they won it, all of a sudden it felt like St. Louis just blew apart at the seams. You know, we wouldn't have had that. Great, 100. There
4: are certain stories that are just great sports stories. The St. Louis Blues last year were one of those. That was a unique story that it, it it's hard to replicate what that was because of the 50-year history, because of what the Blues history was of getting so close and always being right on the cusp of being able to do it, but never quite getting there. That's what made it special. Yeah, That's thanks what made for it reminding so much me. fun.
5: Appreciate you reminding me of those hey, great times you, that we fell short. You might have been the reason my dad was so upset all the time. Riffs. Sorry, hey, buddy. Listen, if I was the uh, difference in the outcome of the game, we had bigger problems than me <laughs> at that point, okay?
4: Final <laughs> mic drop that I wanted to get to on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Let's go hear from Tom. Remember, Blues fans,
6: in the wise words of Brett Hull, we don't have to go anymore.
5: We went Blues. Woo! <laughs> Play glory! <laughs> I don't think that'll ever get old. You know, there's a few things that you certainly remember from that Stanley Cup run. You would talk about the glory you saw, all this stuff, right? But if you want a little sidebar, you want to get in the in the passing lane and get out of the traffic, how great was Brad Hull during that run? Like, oh. he was incredible from his... Performance of Let's Go Blues standing on the ice, getting the crowd going before, to pictures that circulated of Brett not being happy with somebody along the glass, to We Went Blues, to Gloria, Gloria. I mean, they're just sensational. Everything surrounding that championship, just amazing.
4: It was perfect. It was the best, if you will. The absolute best. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's 1246, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We'll dive into the junk drawer next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time to open up the junk drawer with Ribs and BK.
4: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into the junk drawer, and I've got one to get us started today. I'm going to tell you a headline. I would like to tell me, I would like you to tell me, <laughs> where you think this headline is from, where this person is from. Headline, man gets into tug-of-war match with an alligator that attacked his dog. Jamie Rivers Lakehouse close now where
5: would you imagine this took place uh for me obviously i'm thinking like florida somewhere off the I, coast of florida i thought florida too you know and and maybe even you go down to australia you know something like that but something tells me this is going to be like in like cordelaine idaho or something like that florida was correct
4: oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes places live up to the expectations that you have from them. So this guy,
5: Trent Tweddle, 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 <laughs> Just Tweddle? He's not listening. Just it's Trent He's okay. Trent. Trent. a former Trent. army
4: T-ball. staff sergeant. T-ball. He jumped to action as the gator got a hold of his dog and was trying to pull the dog into the water. So he was pulling on the dog. The man oh, was pulling boy. on the dog to try to get him out to save the dog, of course. He said, quote, I grabbed the dog's collar to try to pull him back, and I ended up in a tug-of-war match with this gator, and the gator wasn't letting go. So I let go of the collar, and I got about knee-deep into the water and started pounding on the gator's head until eventually he let go. Now, that's a man.
6: (laughs) Yeah. Part of me feels like that was just... Blackout moment Like yep. you see yeah. your dog And you're like Okay my dog's not dying here I'm jumping in I don't care if this is an alligator I'm jumping in
4: I actually You guys might not believe me
6: I think I would do that
5: I, I think you. I would do that I don't believe you I I don't Don't doubt our boy I know, I know. He doesn't Listen he's very honest About hey, himself listen, <laughs> That's very true <laughs> You're true there Don't mess with my dog Yeah that's it My 10 pound Yipper snapper mm You better not mess with Belle No, ma- no sir Mm -mm. Yeah. That gator better get out of here. Well, BK, if you ever have this situation, okay, and you go into blackout adrenaline, I want you to try and remember a couple things. Okay. If you get a hold of the gator at all, you want to yank on the skin that's underneath their bottom jaw. It actually relaxes their jaw, their bite, and leaves their mouth a little more wide open. It's not going to open up like a door for you, but you'll have a chance to maybe get your dog out. Secondly... You want to take a thumb and put it right through its eyeball. If That's you have what to. she said. And that way, there, he's going to get some pain. He's going to release for a second. Now, the only downside to this, BK, is he might turn to you then. And hey, listen, I'm a
4: runner. I'm All fine. right, six five seven eight zero. By yeah, the way, did the dog soda, <laughs> Did the dog live? <laughs> uh, a, important, important note: the dog, the dog's okay.
6: <sighs> he was able to rip him free. He's he's a okay today. You got to go chub style on that alligator, right? Like, damn alligator took
5: my hand, but I got his eye, took his eyeball. I like it. It's risky, though, but not as risky, boys, as uh, drinking gin in Australia. Hmm. Let me tell you why, okay? There's company down in Australia. Uh, I don't want to out them too bad. Okay, yeah, it's called Victoria's Apollo Bay Distillery. The distillery. Okay. They uh, were filling up gin bottles. And, of course, these days, right now, during the pandemic, there are a lot of companies that are double-dipping. They're trying to make, you know, PPE, the masks, the eye protection, the gloves. A lot of the
4: distilleries are doing the hand sanitizer. There we go.
5: Okay, so as they're doing the gin, there's like seven or eight bottles that got filled with hand sanitizer. Oh, no! Yes, 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 yes. And so after that, the mission was on to try and track down these bottles, which, uh, according to what they say, contained uh, 1.45 percent of glycerol and hydrogen oh, peroxide, that's a problem. and when it's consumed, obviously can cause a variety of serious illnesses. Yeah. So, Australian Food Standards Code urge consumers to avoid drinking the sanitizer as it could have harsh side effects. I can imagine that. Yeah, you'd want to avoid that. There is no update on whether they uh, got them all back or not. But I imagine that um, that company is probably panicking just a little bit.
4: Yeah, that ain't great. That's not what you're hoping for. And the other problem is, like, if you're one of the people that bought the gin, it's not like it's easy to tell. Now, once you drink it, you consume it. You could probably tell the difference between the gin and, you know, the hand sanitizer. I
5: would think the smell, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, as you're going up to drink it. I mean, I don't know. It depends how much you've had up to that point, yeah, I guess, right? It. Like, who knows? I guess it depends if this is a nightcap or the yeah.
4: starter of the evening. I S- guess it could go either sense way. The yeah. smell might
5: be gone by that time. That's a good point. I don't know. I just was like, oh, boy. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario,
4: I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Very excited about this next guest. He's the chief. Jamie Rivers called in a favor. Said, hey. Craig Berube, it's the (laughs) one-year anniversary of the Blues winning the Cup. we got to hear from you today. Craig Berube is going to join us next on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
7: Make hard plays. Support each other. Five-man units in all three zones. Leave numbers around the puck. Pump it up here. We're here for a f- reason because we're a f- good hockey team, and we're going to f- come home with a cup here tonight. Let's f- go.
4: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. One year ago today. The St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. And let's go out to the Brown and and celebrity line to continue reminiscing on what was an incredible day for the franchise's history with the head coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube, joining us here on Ribs and BK. Coach, first of all, thanks so much for joining us today. How often have you heard that speech at this point? Is this like
7: the hundredth time that you've heard that? Uh, I don't know if it's that many, but, you know, enough. <laughs> I, you know it gets old it gets a little old for me but uh you know at the time it was uh it, you know it something that uh you know was a great moment uh for our team and our organization and uh you know it's something you always remember
5: now, Chief, we haven't talked to you in a while, and first of all, thank you for coming on today. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, and you're back in town from all the quarantine and everything. And we have some some dates coming up, but what have you been doing to stay busy, but at the same time, kind of stay sharp for being waiting for what's to come?
7: Yeah, I mean, it's been. You know, I think it's been hard, um, you know, to stay sharp. Like there's not a lot we could have done. Uh, a lot of calls with uh, coaches, Zoom calls, um, just trying to talk about things staying in touch with the players. Those two things were the most important things for me is just staying in contact with the players, you know, making sure they're training and, and keep themselves in uh, decent enough shape and also keeping the coaches up to date on what's going on. And Doug Armstrong talking with him probably on uh, two or three times a week, you know, just talking about things. So those are the types of things that, you know, trying to stay sharp as a coach. Uh, But the other stuff is just time with family and, uh, you know, kids and, you know, with them being at home all the time with the school and everything. So, you know, busy doing that stuff.
5: All right, Chief, I want to we're celebrating the one year anniversary today of the biggest day in St. Louis Blues history. And I want to dive inside your brain for a minute. And I want to know from the moment you got up that morning, game seven morning, what was your strategy? I mean, I know sometimes it's just things happen as, as it goes on throughout the day, but what was the strategy for you headed into that day? Really
7: keep it in things uh, the same, like I always do, routine wise. And, you know, I like again, I, I say it all the time game six was a total different feel for uh, me in the morning with our players, what, what I saw. Um, Game seven was totally different. You know, we were loose. I thought that uh, the guys were in a good spot, a good place. So I kept things pretty routine. I really didn't change a whole lot up. Obviously, um, there's nervous energy for sure. You're waiting or waiting around for the game to start and things like that. But, uh, you know, and that's everybody. You know, like I told our team, everybody's nervous. They're nervous over there too. First couple shifts are over, you're going to just play the game.
4: We're talking to Blues head coach Craig Berube here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Chief, at one point last year, you guys were fifteen and eighteen and four. You were last in the standings, and you're taken over as the head coach. At that point, at what point did you realize this team has the potential to actually win a cup? Here was there was there a moment, a game, a, a time that you you have in the back of your mind where you're like this this really could be a special season?
7: Well, understanding where we were at, like at the beginning uh, when I took over. You know, I just kind of wanted to get our team to become a team more than anything. I think that was the biggest problem. I didn't think we played like a hockey team that was together on the ice. So that was the first challenge to try to get there. We had a lot of new guys in our team, and there was a lot of, um, I think, people, players and, that didn't um, understand their roles or accept where they're situated or even given roles to that point, but uh, that was the first thing that we tried to get, you know, uh, under our belt. When I, you know, when you win 11 in a row, you, and after that 11 in a row, you lose, and then you keep playing and you're, and you're you're still competitive and still winning, I really realized we had a good team, a real good team, and you know, like, you get in the playoffs, you give yourself a chance, um, so that's, for me, that's when I realized you know, during that 11-win win streak, and then after that, we were a real good hockey team.
5: Chief, it's amazing the way the group came together, and certainly you and your coaching staff, knowing what we know now, how tight the group is and how well you guys operate together, but what was the biggest thing that you had to do or that you felt was something that needed to be done to either change the culture or at least create the culture that you guys have now?
7: Well, first, I think it's just, Getting the leaders to lead by example and 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 be leaders for the team, not just themselves. You know, that, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but you know, thinking outside of themselves and, and thinking about the team. So, getting our leaders on board with everything uh, that we wanted to do, and just a lot of lot of tough conversations, not only with individuals but with the team, and um, getting your point across to them. It takes time, but really, it's it's that simple, to be honest with you. Um, we're trying to form a team-first mindset here, and it takes time to get that under, under the belt and, and, and get going in the right direction. But it really, it's about conversations. It's about, um, you know, team with the team, the leaders everybody buying in but it's really getting your leaders to lead by example
5: yeah chief look at uh, those conversations you talk about look we know those aren't easy okay those are no fun for you they're no fun for the player and you know in my opinion you kind of have to be brutally honest but it's difficult sometimes so how did you what was your strategy when you're into those conversations with the guys to make them understand that this was for something bigger than just you know hurt feelings right now
7: Yeah, No, I get it. and I think that, you know, you tell players the truth and you be honest with them and they understand it. Like, basically, you just got to be the boss and you got to lay the rules down and you got to lay the situation down and that's it. And, you know, you got to tell your players, like, this is the way it is. And we need to do this to be successful. If we don't, we won't. And, you you know, you might not play. Like, that's what it boils down to. You got to be a team first guy. That's what we're looking for here. And if we all get... In, on board with that, we we got, a, we got a chance to do something.
4: We're talking with Blues head coach Craig Berube here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Chief, I wanted to ask you because Jeremy Rutherford earlier today put out a piece on The Athletic of untold stories of Game 7 of last year's Stanley Cup, and he got some great ones from guys all scattered across the team. Alex Steen had one, Jake Allen had one, Perron, Vince Dunn. There was a bunch of guys that gave him great stories from Game 7 I'm curious if there's one that you feel like you haven't told publicly that was just a, a great story from whether it be that day, that night, after the fact, maybe the celebration on the plane, co- plane ride, coming home. Do you have a story for us that you haven't shared publicly at this point?
7: <laughs> I don't know if I do boys you, you me on the spot here. I, I, it's hard to remember everything that night, to be honest with you, especially afterwards. But, uh, I, got a, I actually got a good, pretty good story. So Keith Jones is a good friend of mine, and uh, he texted me before the game, and he goes, when you win the cup tonight, uh, a friend of ours named Dave Pickner, he's going to be on the ice with you the other night celebrating. <laughs> I just started laughing. I go, I doubt it. Uh, Dave Pickner is just a good friend from Brantford, Ontario, who is Keith Jones' real good buddy. Um, over time, and I got to know him real well. And, you know, he's always been around us and hanging out with us and stuff like that. So, but he was at game seven, and I'm like, he's not going to be on the ice. How do you get down there on the ice like that? <laughs> I get on the ice after everything's over, and there he is. He gives me a big hug. I started laughing. <laughs> this guy literally held the cup up with me, was around the cup taking pictures the whole time. So, yeah, you know, it's a pretty funny story because you wouldn't think that that would happen, right? You, how is he going to get down on the ice? Like, I don't know how he even got down. There. <laughs> I was about to say, do you know what the story is now? Do you know how he got down there? Well, Keith Jones obviously got him down there somehow, like pulling some strings or whatever. But, you know, it's one of those things. He's a good friend. He does great things for us and, and then takes care of us in a lot of ways. And to, for him to be able to do that is like a lifetime experience for him. And It was, it was really good. Uh, I'm glad it, glad it happened.
5: That's awesome. I love those stories. We're yeah. talking with uh, Craig Barubi here, head coach of the St. Louis Blues on Ribs and BK, 101 ESPN. Chief, now that we have a little bit of an idea, at least a date that's set for training camp to open up, certainly I know there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of things that have to happen between now and then, but how important is it for you guys, the St. Louis Blues, to have a locker room filled with guys that last year were part of that cup-winning team. Does it make it easier for you to come back out of this break with guys who've done this together before?
7: Yeah, I think so. I think, it, you know, guys, I think it, what it does is that guys know what they have to do to get, get ready and, and and what what's a, what's ahead, right? How, how hard it's going to be. But it is a little bit different this year. Um, it's not going to be the same as last year. Uh, that's, you know, with the, with the format and everything. So it is different, but... You know, I think that we got good chemistry on our hockey team. Um, I think our guys are in a good spot right now talking to them. And a lot of them are hanging out here in St. Louis together and been skating together. So I think they're pretty dialed in. And that's a good thing for for us going forward here. And uh, I think once we get everybody here and and getting on the ice and getting going, I think we'll be in a good spot. But listen, it's going to be a tough road for sure. Um, it's a level playing field out there. All these teams are going to be rested, injuries, injury-free. Um, they're all going to get you know have their guys back, including us getting Vladdy back. So uh, that helps us a lot, too.
4: It's interesting you mentioned that. Do you, do you know what the schedule looks like for you guys? Do you know kind of roughly when the players are all going to be expected to kind of be back in St. Louis and what things are going to look like in terms of a, a date of w- w- what you're going to be doing and when?
7: Well, that's still a little bit up in the air. Like, you know, we want to get our guys back here, you know, as soon as possible to skate, uh, but that's on their own. You know, uh, you know, I'm here on July 10th. The training camp might open up, but it could be as late as July 15th.
5: Chief, you know, we had a, a guest on earlier today. We had Chris Thorburn on to talk about, yeah. you know, last year's championship and whatnot. I was curious. I wanted to ask you about this because, look, you and Thorbs played very similar roles in the National Hockey League. But how great was it to have him around the group? Was that a really that was was that a conscious decision by the staff and management to have this veteran guy as a part of the team? And then how great was it to see him uh, have the chance to lift that cup?
7: Yeah, great decision by Doug Armstrong. He brought it up to me, and I I was right on board of it. I'm a big fan of uh, Forbes and so is the team. So we understood the importance of uh, him with the team, uh, what he brings to the team, not only on the ice that he played, but in the locker room, and just being a great guy and uh, and. Uh, I don't know, he's one of those guys that walks into a room and lights a room up. Um, you know, everybody go, hey, Forbes, you know. <laughs> so I think having him around was real good for our team. You know, I told Forbes, I said, it's really important that, you know, you keep all these young guys going and, and keep motivated. Guys that aren't playing, it's important that they stay motivated and keep working hard and not get, uh, you know, guys get upset about not playing. And, and I totally understand it. I've been there. And it's not easy, So, but he he was a big part of it all because he's got such a positive influence on people.
4: We're talking to Blues head coach Craig Berube here on Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coach, I wanted to ask you about Jamie Rivers, my co-host, because you guys played in the league around the same time in the late 90s, early 2000s. What was Jamie Rivers like? You you could give me a great scouting report. I feel Chief like was, was afraid
5: to fight me, back down all the time. What was Jamie Rivers <laughs> no, no, like as a it, hockey player? It, it, you were like you
7: were like the fourth guy that wanted to fight me. I had <laughs> Twister, I had Chaser, I had this guy, I had Reed Reedlow, I had all these guys ahead of you. You were like down the
5: line a little bit, but you know, and Chief, nobody's happier about that, that than it. me. Okay, I can yeah. tell you that right now. I strategically put myself in that spot. I didn't want to overachieve so that I got bumped up in the rotation. No, thank you.
7: No, Rose was a solid player, man. Like, come to play every night type of guy.
5: Hey, good player. I appreciate that, coach. No, you were. Thank you very much. Coach, we really appreciate the time
4: today. Thanks so much for joining us on the one-year anniversary of the Blues hoisting that cup. We're certainly looking forward to being able to see you guys get back out on the ice soon and hopefully hoist another one to be back-to-back champs.
7: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great day. Enjoy the enjoy the day. Absolutely. Thanks, That's
4: Chief. Coach Craig Berube joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Man, I I'm really ready for sports to get back. I'm I'm really th- this week has brought it back for
5: me. Well, this is brutal today. Like this is amazing today. Like I'm sitting here going, looking at the clock. I'm like, we got 45 minutes left. I don't want it to end today. But then I'm like, I really want sports back. Like I want to keep talking about this.
4: I mean, we hear all these stories about Maguire in the '98 season, and you're just you're thinking about that. And then today, you're reliving. All of those memories of what it was like to be able to watch the Blues night in, night out in the painstaking hockey that we were watching. I don't think I will ever experience. Well, hopefully I get to experience it again, but I don't know that I'll ever experience anything like that game seven. Like the the amount of emotions that are running through you the entire time that you're watching the game, just feeling like, oh, my God, this is going to be it. Oh, my God, this is going to be it. It's just it's brutal, man, It's in the best possible way.
5: I stood up the whole game. Sitting at the studio, Fox Sports studio, I couldn't sit. I I stood. And then once I was standing in one spot and Bennington was making saves and then we're scoring goals, now in my mind I can't move. You're not allowed to move from this exact spot. Or you might change the dynamic. So as crazy as it is... We all felt like we were a part of it in some stupid way. <laughs> and here I, my lower back was killing me, and I'm like, I'm not moving so silly, but it was so amazing.
4: We're reliving that on the one-year anniversary, the Blues Stanley Cup champions hoisting that cup over their heads for the first time in franchise history. We continue reliving it with you next. The Air Comfort Service sex line is 65780. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. What do you remember about that run? What are you going to tell your kids, your grandkids, your loved ones about that run whenever we get further away from it? We'll hear from you next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: With former Blue Superstar Defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So Ribs in the break looked over to me and he said, Hey, before we get to some of these mic drops, I gotta I gotta ask you a question.
5: What's going on? <laughs> All right. So, as we know, specifically in the last 24 hours, BK likes to drop, you're the best, at the end of an interview. You're the best. You're the best. Our guests today, every one of them got, you're the best. You're the best. Well, 618, okay, 618 said, um, wow, BK, exclamation points galore. You didn't give the chief a you're the best That is ballsy. You're the best. That's Mark Saxon joining us
4: here on Ribs and BK. Jr. You're the best man. Curbs, you're the best man. We appreciate the time today. Dan, you're the best man. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Joey, you're the best. You're the best. Oh, no!
6: So we gave it to Mark Saxon, Dan McLaughlin, I Joe Vitali. What was happening back then? <laughs> and then Chief comes along, the Stanley Cup champion who made time in his day. That's a, that's a good point. And great, gave a great story from behind the scenes that nobody else has been told. And he was just okay. Oh, so it's going to be told the Chief. Oh, no, 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 oh, no. Oh, yes, it is. No, 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 That no. yeah. yeah. doesn't know. That seems oh, like no, a bad no. idea. So, next time he comes on, he's going to start with BK, what the hell? I oh, thought I'm not hot the best. Sweats are he's coming. a very
5: it's... warm, loving guy. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. have a bad temper. He is he's the not nice. intimidating. No, his look doesn't make you want to cry. It makes me want to listen.
4: Run. <laughs> um, you guys heard what our interviews were like today with Chris Thorburn and Kent Merker specifically. Those were un, like, I in, thought the in, chief in the, was incredible in today. The pantheon of interviews that we've done on this show, I think you could put those potentially in the Mount Rushmore of interviews we've done. They were both amazing, absolutely amazing. And I thought chief was really good.
5: He gave us a great story, and he, not he only did. that, you, okay, you of all people, you didn't give him a you're the best, and you kind of sewered him looking for a story on the spot. And he got one. And he, he, get, he went to it, one. So how is he not the best? How is he not the best? You're the best. <laughs> you're the best.
1: <laughs> I thought he was very good.
5: I thought he was, you know what, in fact, he was great. Oh, boy. Ooh. Wow. And he's he's still right now, He's he's digging his heels in on this one.
4: Better interview
5: today. Kent Merker or Craig Berube? Easily. Craig Berube. I'm way more afraid of Craig Berube <laughs> than JR. <Dan. laughs> Craig Berube. I don't even have to think of that.
6: <laughs> Just because I want to put this in Rivers' head. <laughs> yeah. John, you're the best. You're the best, Pat. Thanks so much for hopping
4: on with us today, man. Music, Jesse, terrorism, you're the Ribs. best, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. You're the best. That's Mark Saxon joining us here on Ribs and BK. <laughs> JR, you're the best, man. Curbs, you're the best, man. We appreciate the time today. Dan, you're the best, man. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Joey, you're the best. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, th- those were before I knew that I was doing this, to be very clear. Um, I now know that I'm doing this. And so, listen, I first of all, a huge thanks to Craig Burby. He is unbelievably busy right now. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He made time for us in a way that... I could have never expected it to. We're having fun with this right now, of course, but a huge thanks to him for even pe- carving out a piece of his day to come on with us knuckleheads here on the show. Huge thanks to him.
6: I love the text line 901. Thanks, Chief. You were pretty average.
5: <laughs> oh, my God. You might get murdered for that. I, you know what, Chief? If you're listening, I know you listen every day, by the way. You tell me all the time. But um, <laughs> if you're listening, I thought you were great today. You buddy. Were you best. were the best today. Have fun with that
4: one, BK. <laughs> Yeah, there's, uh, there's really no recovering from this. Nope. There's, there's really...
5: You know the only way to recover? The only way to recover is by talking about great stories again for people here in St. Louis and what it meant for them and their kids and everything in their life. Let's go to the Rhino Shield mic drop to Chris.
6: Hey guys, Katavo kind of Chris. Hey, I was in the upper deck for number 60 um, behind
3: third base, and when when Mark came up, the crowd was going crazy. Everybody's on their feet, they're cheering, screaming, and it was sur- it was so surreal that I actually
5: stopped clapping and said, There is no way anybody can do this under these circumstances. And then Bammy did it. So I know that that wasn't tainted. I know it wasn't tainted because the mental ability to be able to block everything out.
6: Let me just. Defend myself before hey, both of you destroy hey, me. Uh, what? Alex, aren't we talking about the... We uh, are, of the but this was Chris's way to get it on... The show, and I should have listened to it ahead of time, but it said <laughs> in the subject line, Blues Thoughts. So oh, wow. Chris got me there. Well, it is long
4: gone summer week on 101 ESPN. We in anticipation of the Mark McGuire Sammy Sosa 30 for 30 that will air on third on Sunday night. You can check out our full schedule that we've had of guests and of the upcoming guests that you'll hear coming up today on the Fast Lane on 101ESPN.com. It is all brought to you by Tracy Bibb and All Allstate Insurance. Text quote to 65780 to see how you can save.
6: I've screened the rest of them, guys. They're all blue Stanley Cup thoughts. Let's go back out to the mic drop feature
4: on the 101 ESPN app. I'm hesitant to do so at this point. Let's hear from DC.
7: So I live down here in Florida, but I was born and raised in the loo, and I watched everything from my couch. And I was considering dropping the seven grand to go into Boston. Because I've seen four hockey games, four Blues hockey games. I watched Hull and Gretzky in the Great Western Forum in L.A. I went to the Atlanta Thrashers and watched the Blues win there. I went to Raleigh and I thought Raleigh was a home game for the Blues. So, yeah, this was pretty awesome.
4: Has he seen Jamie Rivers? <laughs> Apparently, he didn't he mentioned notice. all the Blues great and didn't say Jamie Rivers.
6: Does he not know I'm a former NHL superstar? I, apparently not. He, apparently brought, not. he brought up spending $7,000 for Game 7. I, I felt so bad for so many fans in Game 6 that dropped that money. Oh My, my God. dad was one of them that dropped. I, I, I don't remember what the amount was, but it was a lot to go. And he was upset, but then I told him afterwards, I said, yeah, but think about it, this was the first time you've ever been to a Stanley Cup championship. Yeah, so I'm so a lot of, sure a lot of people felt that way, but I did feel so bad for so many people that dropped that money.
1: It,
4: I feel like Game 7 changes things too, right? Had they lost Game Seven as well, it would have then stung. Then you, you went to Game Six. You paid all this money to watch the team lose, and then they still ended up losing the Cup as well. At least you it, you lost on Game Six, of course, but at least they ended up still winning the Cup. And so you can you can say I went to watch the Blues during that Stanley Cup run. I think that changes things a little bit.
5: I still remember Game Six, and you know, Alex, you were down there too, and. If you spent that money and you went down there, I don't think you're regretting it. No, it's the atmosphere. I, I do feel like you're right, 100%. If they don't win Game 7, it kind of feels like it was for nothing. But now you look back and you go, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the atmosphere? Do yeah. you remember the people were down there? And now it's like an amazing memory. Yeah, it sucks they didn't do it that night, but... Now it's just part of the great journey. You feel almost like you're part of the team because, you know, that was a setback for you, too. But we got him in Game 7.
4: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line to get involved in the show from the 636. I wonder who would win in a fight, Craig Berube or BK? Come on.
5: Come on. Wait, what? What? Come on. Did they just ask who would win in a fight? Yeah. Come oh on. Oh, my God. That's not th- okay, first of all, Chief is, is tough and as crazy as he was at times. He wouldn't even fight you, okay? He has a heart. He does. And, like, Chief used to sidestep guys that were not, like, heavyweights. you he, he could t- He almost felt bad for them. He would pu- he would probably just put his arm around you, pat you on the head, and tell you to just go on your way. He'd look at me like a puppy dog. <laughs> he'd be like, it's just not worth my time. Or he'd just stare right through you, and then your bowels would just release into your own pants, and you that wouldn't seems,
6: know what to do. It seems very likely. I feel like very that happens frankly. for media members.
5: It happened a few
4: well, times. Speaking of media members... Welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah,
6: of okay. course. Now it makes sense.
4: He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll finish things up coming up next by continuing hearing from you. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. What will you be telling your kids and grandkids about that Blues run to the cup? What was for you? We'll finish things up with you next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. What a week, man. I have enjoyed the hell out of this. If you missed any of it, I would highly recommend going to 101ESPN.com. Long Gone Summer Week has been so much fun. Now, on Monday, Jamie Rivers is ditching us. He's not going to be here. I've had it. But we will react to the Long Gone Summer documentary. With Alex Ferrario, Danny Mac's going to join us for our show. Oh,
5: upgraded. And myself.
4: <laughs> Be a little so, worried, Jamie. Oh, well. We will continue this on Monday, but right now it is the one-year anniversary of the Blues winning the Cup. So we're hearing from you guys. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, and the Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. What was that experience like for you as the Blues are running through the run to the cup?
3: Let's hear from Brett. My son was two months old when the Blues won the cup. And when the game started, I was holding him and then the Blues scored. And I just looked at my wife and said, I'm holding him the rest of this game when the Blues are playing. And sure enough, we won the cup. And it's just something that I'll always get to tell my son. And it's something you know, real great memory. You guys are the best. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and, and from that moment, his son's name was changed to Stanley. Oh, my God. That's great. I Listen, man, Brett, I feel you, bro. I know. I, I understand why you did it, man, and we appreciate it.
4: Absolutely. Let's go out and hear from Fred. Fred on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app.
3: My biggest Stanley Cup memory was the fact that the Blues heard glory on January 6th. It was our daughter's birthday. Uh, she was killed 13 years ago. Oh. And in her memory, we'd have a birthday party every year. And last year, we couldn't. My wife said she'd find a party somewhere, so we figured it was up in Philly with the Blues listening to Gloria. That's incredible. That's awesome. Absolutely incredible. Um, first
4: of all, uh, my apologies for your loss. Our condolences for you and your family. I, I can't imagine that has been easy. Um, but I hope that you were able to find some joy in what the Blues did last year and that was able to at least bring some some joy to your family and what i I can't believe I, i can't imagine has been an easy time for you guys but that's that's awesome to be able to feel like almost your your daughter was with the blues as they found this this spark that ultimately was part of the energy behind what they were able to accomplish with this run to the cup let's go back out to the rhino shield mic drop uh with justin
3: so i was fortunate enough to be at the enterprise center during uh game seven to watch them win the Stanley Cup but I had just wrecked a four-wheeler and I was not wearing a helmet and I cannot confirm or deny alcohol was involved <laughs> but I split my head open had 11 stitches and still went to Enterprise Center so I could be a tough guy just like all the boys in blue perfect hockey
5: player <laughs> Oh my god I'll tell you what in the last couple months there has been no less than 4 or 5 people talking about four-wheeler accidents People listening, please wear your helmets. Please wear your helmets. But we here at 101, and the Blues appreciate your toughness and getting through it and being there for them in Game 7.
4: Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app to
3: hear from Justin. Let's hear from Kevin. You know, I sit here (laughs) one year later reflecting on that incredible Stanley Cup run, and with the anniversary being on a Friday, you know, I can't help but wonder if this wasn't a pandemic right now how the party Obi Clark should be this weekend with everyone just you know having a man soda reminiscing on the year that was that incredible run that none of us will ever forget. Would we be finishing up
6: the yeah, Stanley Cup final right now? We'd be celebrating another Stanley Cup.
5: Uh, we would be...
6: It's yeah, got to be at least or close. Would, or we'd be
5: in the last... It'd
6: be the last couple games, yeah, depending on what the schedule was yeah, like.
5: Timing, probably pretty accurate. So, yeah, either way, we'd be crushing man Well,
4: yeah, because we'd be celebrating back-to-back titles Absolutely for your St. St. Louis Blues. Now, we're going to do that. It's just going to be postponed.
5: It's going to be a different time Year to do it. It's going to be exciting.
4: So when would that that'll end? In what October is what they're kind of thinking.
5: Uh, I think they're targeting like beginning of October, having this thing wrap up. Because if it starts in August,
6: which would be three weeks from July 15th, if that's when training camp, you start in August. They want to get that first play in and those first—they want to get to the 16 teams in about 30 days. I think they said like 60 days to kind of finish this thing up, basically. Yeah, so you're looking at probably from middle of August to about beginning of October when you get the Stanley Cup final to start.
4: So we'll be talking about celebrating a Stanley Cup championship for the Blues— and talking about the middle of the postseason, maybe the NLCS for the St. Louis Cardinals.
5: Fire pit going in the backyard. The weather's cooling off just a bit. And you're getting ready to celebrate
4: Halloween right thereafter. Think about the parties that are going to be taking place across St. Louis.
6: Guys, I love Optimism Friday. It's a Frank Gore Friday Frank here. Gore Friday. On One. It's a Frank ESPN. Gore Friday.
4: Let's add in some optimism. All well, Let's finish up. we got two more of these. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. We're going to f- hear from Phil.
6: For me, the Blues playoff run was a special time because I just happened to be at my mom's house in between houses. And my wife and kids were at her parents' house, and I was at my mom's house with a dog. And uh, it was just a great time sharing it with my family and my mom. And watching those Blues playoff wins gather up, right, until they finally won the Cup. And it was such a special moment. I remember the tears in me and my mom's eyes as we hugged each other.
4: Alex, I'd like to ask you about this because you grew up here in St. Louis. Of the three of us, you're the only one that has done that. And you also talked about how your dad went to Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final. I think this is one thing that's really unique about sports, too, is that you go through a run like this, and a lot of people reconnect with their parents in a way that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. Like maybe you were still always close with your parents, but now you're calling them and texting them throughout mm-hmm. all the games, and you're talking about it after the game, and you're leading up to the game, and all of these different things. It's just a different type of a relationship that builds through the blues in a run like this. And you heard it there from that mic drop. Was that the same thing for you as well?
6: Yeah, it was a hundred percent. And you know, my my dad has lived vicariously through my. Sports broadcasting career when I was at KMOX and then obviously now with the Blues, he was the reason I became a Blues fan. I was My first game was in 96. I was six years old, and he took me to that game, fell in love with it. He and I were big Blues fans all the way through, so it, it was one of those things that you go through all of the pain with your dad, with your mom, with your brother, sisters, however it works. But in the moment that they won that Stanley Cup, I took him, so he wrote with me, he bought game six, and he was up in the press box with us before we were doing post-game, and we took a picture, actually, before we left that night, and I told him, I said, hopefully we'll be able to frame this. This was the night before they won the Stanley Cup. Game seven, I FaceTimed him, and, you know, tears rolling down his eyes for how excited he was, you know, cheering, chanting. It was one of those things that you just connect even further with one of those moments.
4: I had something kind of similar this year with the Chiefs run in the postseason. I was able to cover, it was my last day at 610 in kansas city before i had moved out here uh, my last week was we went down to miami to cover radio row for the week of the super bowl and my dad decided kind of last minute i'm, I'm going i've got to go to the super bowl i've, I've got to go down there i don't know if i'll ever see this again in my life so the week of the super bowl we were able to go out and grab some drinks like two nights before the chiefs were playing in the super bowl So not quite the exact same thing, but the same experience of, through sports, being able to do some of that cool stuff.
5: One thing that I was going to bring up, and it's a little different from a lot of people, my story with the Stanley Cup, right? Showing it with my family. Yeah. So having access to a lot that's going on and being invited to a lot of things, I was able to celebrate the Stanley Cup victory with my family, mm-hmm. all through it, all the parties, all the things, and I'll tell you what: St. Louis Blues, Tom Stillman, Chris Zimmerman, Steve Chapman, Doug Armstrong, yeah. Chief Brubee—they all included the alumni, and and you felt like you were a part of the family, and it was great because my kids got access. They I don't—they got tired of taking pictures <laughs> with the cup, right. you know. And, but that's just a memory I'll never forget my family will never forget celebrating a Stanley Cup together
6: well and one and one thing I do want to say you know I had the opportunity luckily the blues radio the flagship at the time gave us the opportunity to bring family and friends to come see the cup and take because I didn't get the opportunity I'm not as close with the players as an alumni is to go to those parties but I, I will never forget the look on my dad's eyes when I was able to take him in and let him take a picture with the Stanley Cup and we have a picture that's framed of both of us kissing the cup and it's kind of full circle from when you're six years old and you're going to those games to taking your dad to see that stanley cup we've got one more rhino shield mic drop from the 101 espn
4: app let's hear from ricky to finish things off today
5: guys prior to game seven my brother and i had not talked in six months after the first period i'm like oh you know what the
6: hell with this it's time to squash it i grabbed a 12 pack of bud went over his (laughs) house
5: he opens the door looks at me i give him a big old hug said bro i'm sorry um Let's go win the cup tonight. And sure as hell,
6: we did. My brother and I have been best friends again ever since. That's awesome.
4: That's wow. the power of
6: sports, man. That,
4: that They bring people together. Wow. They bring people
6: together.
5: That's an amazing story. And uh, I re- we really appreciate the mic drop. Yeah. And it's really been amazing to hear all these stories all day long. And NBK, you know, our listeners don't even realize that. We came in here today. We had a rundown. You yeah. worked your butt off and, and putting it together and getting all this stuff. And the fans, you guys, again, the listeners, you guys, again, took over in a great way because we had so many mic drops, so many text messages that... Guys, it feels like we just won it again. Yeah. I feel like I'm talking about it like it was yesterday. I'm so. on this high of like I feel, yeah. I
4: feel like I'm riding a wave right now. That's just like reaching another crescendo. The way that the Blues yeah. did last year. We're gonna year. go
5: out and change a tire now, BK. Hell oh, yeah,
4: easy. Whoa, whoa I thought, whoa, I thought whoa. we had enough nope. momentum to do it. Yeah, no. I mean that was your no. opportunity. All right. Mm-mm. Nope. it I'm has already, been. Uh, it has been great. Though. I feel really, we should go beat up Craig Baruby, BK. No, no, nope.
5: right, mm-hmm. you guys do that. No. I'll meet you there. Okay, if I'm not there, start without me. See I'll ya. just
4: beat up the Gator instead. Better chance. Probably. I would much rather fight the gator than Craig Bruce. Save the puppy dog. <laughs> yeah. With former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon
1: Kylie. We'll cross things over with the Fastlane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: With former superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. That's Alex
6: Ferrario. Superstar defenseman. <laughs> Damn, I love well, it. Ron, did, did, did you we- not hear what he did in the AHL and the OHL?
3: That's a good point. Yeah, I did. I did. I read the book. OHL oh, Hall of Famer. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He's a to superstar step. to me. I well, I love Jamie.
5: Here's how this happened.
3: I love him so much. And by the way, uh, I've been trying for how long now to get a jersey with your uh, your name on it. And you've been promising me that you'll set me up with a guy who will <laughs> take care of
5: it for me. <laughs> I have. You've been telling me
3: for nine months. I got a
6: jersey with Rivers' autograph on it. The only problem is, I can't understand. I can't read his writing. I can just
3: understand the six. I don't want the autograph. I just want to be able to wear it. The top. only problem the is that
5: jersey seriously devalued now. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> like, who the hell is this number six? Oh, that's got to be Jamie Rivers. Jamie
4: Rivers in '93, '94 for the Sudbury Wolves. 32 goals, 89 assists, 121 points in 65 games played. Not a big deal. Dude, look at you. That's incredible. Jamie
3: Rivers was a hell of a hockey player. He used to be good. A superstar defenseman, if you will. And a Hall of Fame person is what Jamie is. Thank you,
6: actual Hall of Fame OHL player, right? Yes, correct. Thanks a lot, Mike Keenan. He wasn't kidding there. That's true. Yeah, I I believe it. I believe it.
4: (laughs) By the way, we're crossing things over with Chris Ranji of the Fastlane here on Ribs and BK. Ronge, how you doing
3: today, man? Good, man. How are uh, you fools? I saw that you did an interview with Kent Merker today. Yeah, I was unaware of this backstory. What, what happened with Kent? So, it was the 2004 season. So, after everything fell up the Bartman happened in three, <laughs> You know, so there's obviously some residual feelings about that. They had a good start to the second half, and then everything just fell apart in the the following half well steve stone who was our guest uh, this week about the Maguire sosa home run chase he was in the broadcast booth when that happened um with chip Carey. okay so they were the broadcast team in 04 and by the second half when everything was falling apart and dusty baker had lost control of his team and these guys had terrible attitudes the broadcast booth was not holding back and they were They were calling it exactly as it was on the field. Well, uh, Merker, in the middle of a game from the bullpen, allegedly, and I don't know how he found out, because he shouldn't... Oh, I remember how he found out now. He was walking through the clubhouse at one point, Mm. and the TV was on in the clubhouse, and he heard them talking about them. So he called up to the broadcast booth to air them out. Because they were talking crap about the team on the field. Seems like a in the middle of a game. In the middle of a game. Well, I can tell you, I he like was him even more now. Absolutely you incredible with us today. Well, I'm I'm sure he's good, but dude, what are you what are you doing, man? Yeah, it's like, not take, great. O- take ownership of, and and I'm sure that if you had asked him, well, I would hope that that. <laughs> This many years later, he would be like, yeah, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) You know, I should be worried about what's going on on the field in front of me in the middle of a freaking game. Instead of calling up to the (laughs) broadcast booth to bitch about what they're saying about it. Yeah, but
5: Ron, hear me out for a second. Okay. Yes. Would he like a do-over, a take back? A hundred percent. There's no doubt in my mind. He would say, I would probably rather do something different. But when you're in that fire pit with all your teammates and you suck and things aren't going well good teammates, guys who are actually good people, good teammates who care about their the guys around them, they feel like they have to protect them in some way. and it, it, it It's happened to me in my career. We've been on awful teams, and you're telling people who say bad things about your teammates that, you know, go put it in your pipe over here and smoke it. So I can imagine that he got a little riled up, trying to take care of his teammates, and, you know, yeah, a do-over, certainly, but I understand it.
3: I understand being pissed off when the broadcast team is uh, talking about us in a bad way, but there's this phrase: uh, "Don't like it, play better. Play
5: better." I understand, right? I understand. Like you're
3: just a, if you don't like people talking crap about you as a team. Do better at your job, and and I think it was more than just the losing. I think there was a lot going on. What, in the, what were in the they the saying clubhouse. specifically,
5: too? Right, we don't have the background. I, I don't know. Like, I what don't, if I don't they know. said something that really wasn't even baseball related. I don't remember.
3: It, well, I don't
5: think they did that.
3: I don't think it ever got personal. It wasn't like that. Okay. I think. I think at the time it happened, if I remember correctly, they were talking about Dusty specifically, and you know, Dusty had hey, he had lost control of the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was fighting and there was a lot going on. And so they just decided to take it out on the broadcast team, which is not a good look at all. No, I understand being frustrated. Well, do your job better then. And, sure. and don't be childish
5: about it. And you know, know what a good ta- look is, though, Ronge? What's that, buddy? Alex Petrangelo holding a Stanley Cup above his head My one God. year ago.
3: I got to tell you, that was a, a really fun day for me. So I went to the watch party at uh, Enterprise and. And the uh, the Dutch Blues fan was sitting next to me. I was with a couple of other uh, folks, too. And that was a really fun atmosphere. And you kind of forgot that the people... The way it was inside the building, it didn't feel like they weren't there. Yeah. Like, you would, you yeah. would catch yourself... In moments, looking down on the ice, and it's a clean sheet of ice, and there's nobody there. You're like, oh my god, they're not even here right now. It was just, it just, it felt like there was a game happening in front of you, and you weren't just watching on TV. That was such a great experience.
4: I've been asking this to our audience today, and to Jamie and everybody. What are you like? This is a team that you'll tell your kids and your grandkids about, right? Someday. Yeah. What what specifically, what's the story that you will go to
3: whenever you talk to your grandkids about the
4: 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis
3: Blues? Probably, I think what'll stick with me forever is the amount of times that, and I said it, and I thought it, uh, I can't believe this team is doing this. Mm -hmm. Not that they weren't a good team, because they obviously were a very good team. But just think about everything that led up to it being in last place, like halfway through the year, changing coaches, changing goaltenders to some kid, nobody's like the fourth string guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, how is this happening? How is this team doing this? And every hurdle they cleared, it was... Are you kidding me? This is just... Like, of all the teams, and I and I, and I went through the, the, the 96 season, and, and that team was awesome, and losing to Detroit, and I'm thinking, if that team doesn't do it, or the President's Cup team, if that doesn't <laughs> do it, like, how is... This one like these guys it's it's <laughs> this one. like that's how I that's how I felt the entire time and not in a and I'm not saying that in a uh I am not criticizing them it's just it's so remarkable that they did it like this team I never would have thought that team was the one to do it I said it earlier today it's a story that Disney wouldn't write because it's yeah. too unbelievable Yeah like the the
4: way that it all came together the Pat Maroon double overtime yeah, goal like, like all of that is just, it, it's too much. It's over the top. There's no way that, it, it, we don't need it to be realistic, but that's too unrealistic <laughs> for it to be written that way. The,
3: the amount of times where I, I said during the playoffs, okay, well, that was a fun run. Thank you, guys. <laughs> like the Winnipeg game uh, where they came back and then uh, who Schwartz hit it C- out of the too. air, yeah. right? Like yeah. that that game, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe, because they blew the lead. They had the two-goal lead. They blew it, and I said, well, all right. it's a good run. Yeah, that was it. Like that's what's it. That I'm, right. all, well, I'm that's, done. That's <laughs> the end of that. And then, and then the hand pass. And I'm like, all right, well, you, yeah. there's no coming back from something like that. Mentally devastating. You're just you. You're not. It's over. Ranj
6: made a good point though that you know everyone thinks of the team being the worst team and Bennington and Baruby, but think about it. You you want a Stanley Cup without an 80 point goal or 80 point score on your roster? And you go back through the last however many Stanley Cup champions. They have at least one, if not multiple, eighty-point yeah. producers on your team, and you did that with nobody.
3: Yeah, you did it in the aggregate, kind of yeah. like everybody can. It, Everyone did it. It's it's awesome. It's unbelievable, man. I I just I never would have thought, like I said a moment ago, that would have been the team to do it, and they did it, and it was great. And the amount of t- again, the amount of times I thought it was over, mm. that was the best that it wasn't over. I just I couldn't believe it was fun, Ron. I, wasn't uh, it? Dude, I I can't like thinking about it now. <laughs> I literally can't even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't even right now. I can't. Even. It was I'm fun. Sh- I'm
4: sure you guys have a lot more on that coming up today.
3: Still celebrating. No, that was <laughs> it. We're not going to talk
4: about it. <laughs> Long gone summer as well. The fast lane's coming up from two to six for Alex Ferrario. Jamie, I know you're off on Monday. Danny Mack will fill in admirably for you. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's been ribs and BK. What an unbelievable week. Had a ton of fun with you guys. The fast lane is coming up next from two to six on 101 espn
1: you have been listening to the ribs and bk podcast on 101 espn